0: What's up, guys? And thank you all for checking out this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show for you guys because it is our NBA playoff preview. We've already gotten some great action when it comes to the NBA playing tournament. We're recording this podcast late Thursday night, meaning obviously we won't have the results of what happened between... Memphis, and um, Golden State on uh, Friday's playing game for the last spot in the Western Conference. But we do have 15 of the 16 teams in. We'll be breaking down all the storylines, all the predictions for these NBA playoffs, along with talking about some of the awards as we've now learned the finalists for all of the major regular season awards. That's MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Most Improved Player, Rookie of the Year, and all that stuff. So should be a great podcast. You know we're in our bag when we're talking NBA, and that's what we'll be talking about all of these, uh, this hour plus of this show. So, joining me is my co-host Kendall Stewart. Kendall, your Celtics did get into the playoffs, and now they have a date with the Brooklyn Nets. You are the Celtic fan of this podcast. Before we get into any, you know, deep analysis of that series, just gut feeling of of knowing that your team indeed did get in with a, well, quite a historic form performed by Jason Tatum, going for fifty in the first playing game against Washington. Uh, I mean, look, whenever
1: you're a fan of a team, it's hard to, it's hard to actively root for them to lose in a, in a, in a playoff game, essentially. Um, so, you know, ultimately the best result long-term would have been for us to lose, uh, both playing games and wind up in the lottery. But, um, you know, once we were in the the heat of battle, I was, I was, I was excited about the way Tatum played, about the way Kemba played. Um, you know, and look, we'll see what happens against Brooklyn. Um we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh I do wanna give a shout out to the uh team with the best record in baseball, San Francisco Giants. Um oh my God. Really, uh you know, really I did,
0: doing this, man.
1: Oh we God. didn't we didn't give them much of a mention during the uh MLB preview show that we did here on the new generation podcast network um new generation sports talk and that's my apologies to uh the gm farhan zaidi to the manager <laughs> gabe kapler and the rest of that roster but you know overachievers shout out to the giants uh shout out to shohei otani man who i think has to be the the best show
0: in all sports right now yeah um, i mean he's the best player I mean, in baseball individual talent I mean, yeah, he's the best player in baseball, and there's no there's no discussion about it. And anybody who wants to have a discussion, and it's funny, I I, know, I think doesn't understand what he's doing.
1: When I, I remember watching NLB Network on a random day this uh, fall, and I don't know what, I don't know who, I don't remember who exactly was on the panel. I believe it was Al Leiter and Harold Reynolds, and I think Harold Reynolds made the comment that. Otani is the most talented player in all of baseball, and I think Al Leiter, or it might have been vice versa, it might have been Al Leiter who said that. But, but whoever the other guy was, like, really Ohtani? And, but that was Otani having not done what he's done this year. It was you know still based off of what we think he theoretically could be, and right. now he he is theoretically what he was supposed to be coming out yeah. coming from japan he, he's that dude he's sympathy yeah you know i mean he, he we um i remember i remember i did a kendall's court on otani well before he, you know he signed mm-hmm. with the with the dodgers i during it was during his season in japan i was yeah. i I had mentioned that there was some guy in japan who was essentially babe ruth who was going to be coming to the major leagues very soon um and he's lived up to every bit of that hype. Um it, it's it's incredible. And he's look, he's only 20 he's only 26? No, he's 23. I yeah, believe. he's super young. <laughs>
0: um,
1: which just makes this whole thing insane. I believe he's going to be 26 when he's a free agent. Um if I'm not mistaken. Uh or I, he might be 26 now, but he's going to be like
0: 28. But I don't yeah, even remember. He's 20 he's 26 now. But I think he's he only has a couple now. years left.
1: He's going to be like 28 when he's a free agent in, in like 2 years. Um, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna
0: get. Well, copies. he was he was he was very smart to sign that like little small deal when he came over.
1: Yeah, they, you know it, that was the thing was like if he would
0: have waited a couple of years, he would have been able to sign it out of the gate. Right. But but who was to say that like he would have got the money he's gonna get now right. that he's proving he would have it been it an commodity. Right. So he kind now. of bettered himself a little bit by being like, no, I'll just take the regular like minimum. Like yeah, not minimum salary, did. but like the, well, the yeah. rookie deal kind of money, like as a normal player, not someone who's you know played professionally, you know, overseas for X amount of years, and he signed that deal and you know, then they re upped him with the two year uh deal after that, but it's I mean, again, two years it's gonna be over. He's gonna he's a three hundred million dollar player. There's not even a again, not yeah, even yeah. a discussion.
1: When when you when you include given the, the structure of baseball, like when you include his marketing ability, yeah, like that. That's going to make him more money. <laughs> yeah, leading, uh, This guy's leading the league in home
0: runs. Um, he, he's he's pitching at an extremely high level as a starting pitcher. Again, I'll repeat that. He's leading, leading the league in home runs. Not home runs given up. Not home runs uh, allowed. He's <laughs> at the plate. He's leading the league in home runs. Throws 100 miles per hour. Yes, he routinely just... throws 100 miles an hour. His ERA is sub three. I mean, I don't know what to say. He's got 45 strikeouts in um, 30 innings. <laughs> Let me come yeah. on. This is, like I'm, I'm reading these numbers. I'm like, this, this is serious. Yeah. Like, I mean, and the way so, the yeah. other players
1: around the league are talking about him, it reminds me of Luka Doncic initially. Mm-hmm. Another person that you know we talked about on Kendall's court well before he came uh, into the NBA. But like it reminds me of when people were talking about Luka Doncic at first, when they had first started playing against him, like, oh, yeah, this guy like there was very there was no skepticism and there's no skepticism amongst the Major League Baseball community, uh, amongst the players when it comes to Shohei Ohtani, man. So just hope he stays healthy. I mean, What he's doing is so rigorous on your body. Um, the fact that he's able to do it consistently, especially coming off a major injury <laughs> is, is, is incredible. But. And then not only to be able to do it, but then to do it at such
0: a high level, I've never, I mean, no one's ever seen anything like that. Yeah, special stuff, man. Yeah, special (laughs) stuff. Yeah, if you're not following, I know we're in NBA mode and basketball mode, and believe me, that's where I've been squarely, but um, if you do get a chance definitely keep paying attention to what Shohei Ohtani is doing with the uh, Angels because it's just been special. And one last quick little baseball note. Shout out to the Giants. They are having a uh, a great season. Um, I do want to make this note. We record this podcast on Wednesday. Uh, obviously, me being the Met fan of the podcast, uh, you'll know that, you know, it's, it has been, it's been a little bit of a hard-knock life. But one of the bright spots in this uh, this this hard-knock life of being a Met fan has been watching Jacob DeGromp. Ground's been a little bit nicked up early to start the season. He left to start early. He missed the start. He's been having issues with uh like an you know, oblique thing. And he's down in uh rehab in Florida, getting ready to come back. He should be back maybe for his next start, or if that's the next start, maybe a week or two. And um <laughs> he, he he had a he had a uh, a rehab start, you know, against the, the Palm Beach Cardinals. This is low A baseball. You know my guys that maybe were drafted just last year, you know, guys. <laughs> You know, are just like yeah. praying for a chance yeah. to, to sniff the the major leagues. You know, 18, 19 year old kids, um, who they don't know what they can play. They giving them a shot, and they were going up against Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> the uh, the first of all, shout out to the Palm Beach Cardinals social media account because um, they handled this extremely well. They uh they tweeted um they tweeted at the Mets before the game. They were like. Uh, we're facing Jacob Degrom on less than 24 hours' notice, no pressure whatsoever. As they posted their starting lineup, then midway through the game, they tweeted, "Jacob Degrom is throwing 102 miles an hour." If <laughs> someone sent help, and after this game, Jacob Degrom finished with a uh, a line of three innings pitched at eight strikeouts. <laughs> that means he, he struck out all but one guy in his three innings. And it made it got to me thinking, and they they said that you know Steve Steve Cohen don't expect us to send a, a Christmas gift to you this year, and um, it got me thinking like like I mean, what would like what would the equivalent of this be in other sports? Like to me in basketball, like I guess would like because to me I don't even think this is Steph Curry playing in the G League. I think the G League's too good. Horrible. I mean, this is like Steph Curry playing in like I don't know like. Istanbul, like I don't even know if that, that might even be too high. Yeah, <laughs> like playing, maybe
1: you know. like maybe the Greek League, maybe nah, not even the Greek League.
0: Single A baseball, <laughs> low low single A, not even regular because there's yeah. multiple levels because like because there's some single A teams that are actually kind of okay. Low single A, I mean that's like that's a step above like program baseball.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean you're you're talking you're talking like the USBL,
0: like <laughs> you know whatever that is.
1: I'm I'm, I'm sure that's a thing. Um, I don't I even mean, know whatever. if we
0: have. I don't even think we have a football equivalent. I don't know what I could say in terms of what that would be. I
1: mean the 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 NFL Europa League, <laughs> like whatever that used to be. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like again, you're putting, you're taking. I mean, what do we say? The ground's one of the, the, the
0: three best starters. <laughs> he, he's a. I mean, that's like easy. I mean, he yeah. may easily be the best, but he's easily he might top be the three.
1: best. But like, you're taking one of the three best pitchers in all of baseball
0: and putting. And he's in, not really hurt. Like, it's not like he. It's not like he's right. like. Oh, he he was out for you know yeah. months at a time, and like he pitched just a couple weeks ago and pitched well, but came out early because of the side issue. So this guy, like, he's not that hurt. Like, he's been pitching fine. He's had a great season already. And he's just dropping him into the low-8 baseball. And they go up against this guy. like and he's throwing 102 miles an hour, which is becoming crazily normal for Jacob DeGrom at this point. Like, that's just, I mean, I just, that, and that's that one. I, just, I, I was just dying. I just thought that was so funny. But shout out to the Palm Beach Cardinals. Uh, they seem to be great sports about it. Because that's just funny to me. Like, I, I posted a tweet that like <laughs> I was like this was the the and it's getting a couple of good traction. I just posted that uh you know this is what the 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 Saint, the Palm Beach Cardinals batters look like going against Jacob Degrom and it was like the youngling looking at Anakin at the end of <laughs> at the end of um rent to the Sims. yeah exactly man oh man he yo like, uh, Bucky McBadbat. <laughs> really happened. Oh man, that's how one person's like this: is Degrom against uh, single, low, single, like batters. It was Godzilla just tearing apart Tokyo. Yeah, man. Oh man, that's a uh, that's that's crazy. I just thought that was funny. And I think about like again, like I would agree, like it's got to be like NBL,
1: NBDL, or you know, going to, going to play in Canada. Like there's a Canadian basketball league. Yeah,
0: something like that. It's it's not it's, any it's, good. It's, it's 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 like that. Like and like if Steph Curry played in that league, he would probably get like sixty. Right, he probably averaged sixty.
1: Smith with the Istanbul, he, he dropped sixty in a game. Right,
0: exactly. Like you know,
1: I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so I just thought that, a, a, that was. I just I mean, again, the Grom was pitching in Triple A or even Double A. Like, I mean, he was still dominant, but like you are going up against guys who could play in the league. Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, like like there's a good, like the there's a, there's a I chance like. that maybe like one guy on the Palm Beach Cardinals will. Ever reached the major league level that he went up against today, and that's a maybe, yeah. And he and might not be good, like well, and and well, and, well, and that well, and that's seven years from now. It's not even yeah. like oh, but like in two years, like you playing <laughs> low A ball now. You ain't seen the Navy's league for at least five years, yeah. So think about that. Like think about uh, think about Steph Curry. That's like again, like Steph Curry played against you know the down All Americans from like you know a certain year. You I know, mean, it's like,
1: really like, you know, again, like, like, playing, like,
0: it, like the local all-star game, not even like a, like EYBL, <laughs> right. you know, yeah,
1: like a like random, a random
0: AAU team,
1: team. <laughs> not even like against the best players in the EYBL, like just a random, like you said, a random AAU team, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I minor league baseball, I worked for a triple A baseball team, it's rough. It's not. The, 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 yeah. it's like it's good baseball i mean it's decent baseball but um particularly i think the pitching is a lower quality
0: that's why so, yeah that's
1: why that's how i feel about it too. it's a little more it's a lot more inconsistent and so it, that's why it, that's why it's, it tends to be entertaining you, you get a lot of runs but so i think it's it's like a shell shock for these guys to now go up against a guy who's throwing 100 <laughs>
0: you know on the on the radar gun and, like, there are guys who throw hard. But, like, Jay the ground throws 100 and knows exactly where it's going. And then also has yep. four other plus pitches. Like, yeah. Like, they may see a guy who's throwing 94. You say, okay, well, how like, 100 is bad, but how bad is it? Like, when he's throwing 100 and hitting the black on the corner, and then the next pitch he's throwing a changeup that looks exactly like that 100-mile-an-hour fastball, and then he's throwing a slider the next pitch, that's also a plus pitch? Like, yeah, you a low 8. I, I got to post on Twitter, man. Lord have mercy on the the, 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 the young men who man, had to go up like, and get Jacob DeGrom today.
1: I feel like pitching nowadays is like, when I follow these guys that come up in the draft, like, they don't... I feel like the last guy to, like, get drafted really high that was a pitcher and, like, be, like, a top prospect and, like, be great immediately was, like, David Price. Like, you know, I mean, Steven Strasburg was really good also. I feel like even he had, like, you know... A little bit of hiccups, maybe it was just injuries, but mm-hmm. like I feel like it's been a while since you've had like a like a there have been pitchers that were graphic number one, to top five, like <laughs> that had a lot of hype, and it, it some of them, it doesn't mean that they all stink, but they it's taken
0: them uh, more time, yeah. I mean, I could probably make an argument that Garrett Cole was, was really good when he first was
1: really good as well,
0: you know, yeah, uh, like maybe not like, superstar good, but
1: like really it, good I immediately feel like it took him a little bit of time, also, but yeah, he was. It was a short
0: uh learning curve. yeah, he was uh, an all star his third year, you know, first year in his rookie he won ten games. Like he was he was pretty good, you know. Yeah. Um, um he didn't um, stop at the side-end level like, he's at
1: now. It's like you see these guys that'll be the number one pick and you know, or guys that are plenty of guys that are first round picks now that were first round picks in the last two or three, four years that are pitching the majors now that are like, you know, middle of the pack. And those are guys that would be Normally, like pitching in sing- in like in, in that single A league, like at the best, the best case scenario is you're getting a guy who's like the number one pick, who was, who's, if he went straight to the major leagues, would be probably not good enough to be in a rotation. And this guy is the ace, is one of the three best pitchers in all of baseball. Like, and you're
0: throwing him into single A baseball. I mean, again, that's what that is. And like is. I said, like we we know that guys I- go on rehab assignments and stuff. But again, it's different to me with this scenario. Again, like it's not like the Grom was again out for months at a time, hadn't pitched in a long time, isn't in good shape. Like this guy, he's in regular season shape. And I feel he's, the Yankees have he's dealt had with this kind pitch of fluke thing where this, the oblique has always kind of been an issue he's had, but for some reason it's been a little worse this month. So he had to take some time off, and they ended up put him in the IL. And like so, like but it's not like oh you know he had Tommy John, he's trying to work his way back. Like this is like. Again, you're facing Jacob deGrom in the prime of his career. You know, he missed one start, and now you're up against him. And he's trying to get ready to pitch in the major leagues next week. Good luck.
1: <laughs> it's a so, little so tougher, luck. I think, than even, like, you throw, like, Stanton and Judge, I feel like, have done some rehab assignments in Trenton, uh, which I believe is Trenton is their uh, double-A team. Yeah. Uh, like, and that's... That's I feel like, and look, those guys were yard, you know, playing in trends. Like, of course they, yeah. did. they hit plenty of homers and things of that nature. But like, even that's like, look, you gotta face a guy four I bats a game, you know. okay, if they're trying to get their rhythm back, you maybe you'll maybe able to hit him with some with the breaking balls, get out of it, or just walk him. Yeah, you don't feel like facing them. Sometimes, it, you know, sometimes those
0: guys aren't even trying to like go deep, like they're just trying to work on something. Like they're not. Sometimes like, they're not even going hard. Right. Like, clearly, the, the Grom chose violence, obviously. Yeah. You know, because they've been pitching too that, oh, I'm just work I'm just going to throw all six, you know, sliders. Like, that I've seen that too. Like, yeah, I know that the numbers in spring training or in that red hat weren't good, but I was just working on my slider. Like, you know, and it looked good. I just, you know, hung a few or whatever. Uh, that, again, that clearly was not what the Grom was doing in this game. <laughs> again, three innings, eight strikeouts, eight of the nine uh, hitters he faced were strike were struck out. No hits, no runs and just an incredible performance uh, and I guess, what you would expect from someone of Jake DeGrom's town. But uh, uh, let's let's talk about the NBA playoffs. That is what we're here to talk about. But I did think that those were some fun baseball stories to talk about at the top of the show. NBA playoffs, man, I, I, I tell you what, I am really excited. I've been thinking about this a lot, Kendall, and now that we, you know, well, the Western, again, we're doing this podcast as not knowing if the Grizzlies or the with Warriors have made the playoffs. But I think to me the Western Conference this year, this may be the most open I've ever seen, the Western Conference or any conference that I've ever watched for as like an NBA playoff bracket. In regards to like the teams that are in and how many teams can could can legitimately say they have a chance to make the finals. I feel like to me there's obviously six. And I think you could make a case for eight. One of them, we don't even know if they made it yet. But to me, when I look at the West. That can make the finals. Yes. Can't say, when I say win, make the finals. Because some of these teams, they ain't beating the Nets or the Sixers or the Bucks. But do I, like, I think the Jazz, the Suns, I'm putting the Nuggets in there now after what I've seen from Jokic. The Clippers. The Mavs, the Lakers, and the Warriors. I don't think, Portland's the only team I don't think can, win, can get to the finals. It's tough for you to say the Warriors, man. It's tough. And we'll see how Steph they work. Steph is um, just, I, I thought that same thing. But, and, and you know, shout out to the Warriors and Lakers. Shout out to LeBron. An incredible shot he hit in their uh, playing game to clinch that seventh spot. A classic game and proof that this thing is here to stay. That game, Kendall, was the most watched game on espn i think in like three years Yeah, since the in conference final in 2019 i mean just crazy so. that playing game <laughs> not... and those bubble games did anything yeah but, yeah we, we were going crazy with the bubble and all the great play we had in there this game most watched game out of all of those games that was a 10 30 star on the east coast yeah i mean think about that that's crazy i don't know how many people kept saying yo i'm staying up to watch this game so uh, and then I heard the Grizzlies game even did numbers like crazy yes. numbers. there's no, was it almost why I think it was the game this year. Yeah, one top three games this season. So yeah, they're, they're never getting rid of this thing. This this is over. I mean, for LeBron and for other players, Mark Cuban, you know, you know, Doncic. Sad yeah. day for sad yeah. day for you. Um, this this thing is not. And I guess it's not it's not really a sad day for LeBron because he ended up being the hero and all this. And um, uh, maybe it was like uh, <laughs> it's funny. Our
1: mom went on a rant this morning. She was she was talking about LeBron saying. You know how you know it, all that talking. He she said he's talking all that smack. Yeah, now, now he's a hero about the playing game, and now his brand is helped. Ex- I know ex- by the playing game, by the playing game. <laughs> now he's going to be using this as part of his narrative. Oh yeah,
0: I mean you know those highlights. Nike's getting ready to roll those highlights. Him shooting over Steph Curry, the Under Armour guy. I mean, come on, uh, we already know what time it is. Uh, so yeah, I know it's like. But look again when you're when you're when you're that guy. These things kind of seem to happen to you. And to his credit, he makes them happen, too. He's an unbelievable player. I'm one of the greatest of all time. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, to me, the reason why I, I put the Warriors in there, I would have never thought about putting the Warriors in there before last night, I think. The reason why I'm doing it now, I don't. I know maybe it sounds like prisoner in the moment, but what I saw against a good Lakers defense is, and I, I mean, I guess I already knew this, but I mean, Steph. To me, Steph Curry's on a on one right now. Like he's on a level that I'm not saying that there aren't other guys who can rise up to that level once the playoffs start. I think they certainly are. I think you know, hard. I think all three guys are in the Nets, um, obviously. I think every single one of Lebron's through. been Lebron's been gimpy. I don't know. I don't know yeah, if Lebron I'm can not. play this way for four quarters or multiple or multiple games in a series because uh, he struggled through a lot of that game, but was great in the fourth quarter. But it, it, to me, what I'm saying is that number is few to the guys that can reach Steph's level right now. He's so on fire. And we were talking about this game. It was great talking to you. I didn't have the broadcast on. I was just watching the game silent while we were talking about the game. And I'm watching this. And, again, the Lakers are an excellent defensive team. And I'm saying, like, yo, like, I think they're, they're, they're selling out too much on Steph. And you were like,
1: yeah,
0: you can't sell out enough against him with the way he's nah. playing. And you, you were, And honestly, you were right. Because then when he got to play one-on-one in that fourth quarter, I mean, they they couldn't stop him. And that's why you do it. Like, you
1: do it not for the first three quarters, but late in the game, you've got these guys that are... Like, you're going to continue to make these guys make plays. Mm -hmm. And also late in games, Curry's not in a rhythm. So, you know, now... Curry was able to, like he said, still make plays. He's still able to make plays, Still be able to dance. But, look, we saw the Lakers' defense emerge in that game in ways that we hadn't seen for a lot of this season. I know they dealt with injuries. Um, LeBron and AD obviously were out for such a long time. That's a big part of the Lakers' defense. But, um, so to me, I think the Golden State offense...
0: Beyond Curry it's just not potent enough. But here's here's the other part why I would make the case that they they can make a crazy run. Their defense has gotten really good over yeah. the course of the season. They become a very good defensive team because Dray. I mean Draymond had. I mean, he. I guess he's always great. I don't want to make again be personal in the moment. But to me, that was one of the best defensive games I seen from him all se- all season last night. You want to talk about just being everywhere, just having Anthony Davis in your back pocket, basically. Like, he was incredible on the defensive side of the ball. And it's not just him. The whole team now is really, they have found their niche in terms of who they are defensively. I think they didn't have an identity because they had so many guys in and out of the lineup. I don't think they really knew who they were. But I think now they understand, look, we're a small team, that, but we're, we're quick. And we have some good athletes in spots, like Tuscano, Anderson, and Wiggins, who can, who can, if they play, and Wiggins has played good defense all season. If they play bigger than their size, can make up for maybe what you're lacking in a true big net. And Kevon Looney is as solid as it comes in terms of being just a real solid guy at the five. They're, they're a really good defensive team. So when I, I, mean, I watched that game, I know the Lakers were definitely trying to work things out because they were miserable in the first half. But I agree the Warriors' scoring ceiling may feel—offensive ceiling may feel kind of low. But I think that—I'm starting to feel like, man, defensively, I think they can do the job against most teams. You know, if Draymond stays out of foul trouble and they continue to kind of have this just, like, very tough-minded attitude where they're scrambling, they're quickly rotating— and using their quickness and their speed to kind of just cause havoc, they're going to be a problem. Like they're they're going to be a you know they got to win a tough game against a Memphis team, and we don't know who won again. But uh, I think that game is going to be very close, and that may sound crazy when we this game ends. But uh, like if they get in, I think they're a tough out for anybody because every I think every team they play against, against the West in the West they have the best player, and I think they can guard. So oh, I mean, look, that's, that gives you a chance. Things. I got. It. I can't say they can't make it because they defend and they have the best guy.
1: So it's the problem for them. I think is also just going to be the road. I mean, it, now that the eight seed, you're going to have to get by Utah, and then the Clippers or Dallas. More likely the Clippers, but it could be Dallas as well. And then after that, you're facing whoever is, whoever got by the other side of the, of the West bracket. It's going to be whoever that is, is going to be very good. So. That to me, like if they were facing the winner of Portland and Denver as the four or five, I'd feel better about it. Like I think the Lakers, if they can get by Phoenix, should be able to get by. No, see, I think Denver is a and the and the and the Blazers are actually going to be a tougher matchup. I mean, not than the Clippers, but like than Dallas for the Lakers, but. Um, and I think those teams would actually be a tougher matchup for the Lakers than maybe even for the Warriors. But um, I, I I feel like to me that like the Warriors got a little bit of a bad break. Getting having to go through go through the Jazz and the and the Clippers.
0: You um, think the one the one the one seed road to the finals is the hardest in yeah. the West compared to? It's it's I can see that. I also feel like we talked about it a little bit on the podcast. I, I mean, excuse me, on you know, in the, the non-podcast we were talking. Yeah, about just bas- yeah we were talking about basketball all last night throughout the game. That that very well could have been a podcast, but, um, but in a weird way, I feel like I feel like the Lakers and the Warriors. I think they would have liked to have swapped teams for the first round. I could, I could, argue, I could agree that maybe both teams maybe don't have the greatest matchup for the second round, but I think that the Lakers. Match up way better against the Jazz and the Sun and the Warriors match up way better against excuse me the uh, the Sun match up way better than the, the Warriors match up way better than the Suns, uh, right? Or was it? Did I mix that up? <laughs> um, you're saying that the, you're
1: saying that you think that the Warriors would have matched up better. Yeah, no, you no, no, match up better than the Jazz with the Jazz than than and the the, the Lakers
0: do match up better with the with the Suns. Yes, I think that. Yes, I think that. Despite, really, I think that. Yeah, I think if the Jazz, the Jazz and the Suns. I don't think you feel very good about what happened. Let me reset right. here. <laughs> I think <laughs> that the Sun, like if you're the, like to me, the Warriors. I think the Suns are getting the Warriors out of there if they're playing the Warriors. Right. Like I, I think the Suns are going to have a tough battle against the Lakers, and if Utah plays against Golden State, I think they're going to have a very tough battle with Golden State. I think those roles were reversed. I feel – I think they're both going to be good series either way, again, assuming that it's Golden State. <laughs> yeah, if, that, yeah. if that's the if case. Gonna, I know gonna, I'm probably yeah. really jixing it crazy talking about it this much. I didn't plan to. Yeah, but, I mean,
1: we're talking about the Warriors so much, and I'm like, man, John Moran might <laughs>
0: – John Moran scored 40, and they won – they they got to the same Mar- round. Yeah. They yeah, got yeah. to the playoffs. But yeah. what I will say is just, I just think that the because the, the Lakers – and I want to focus kind of – shift our focus to the Lakers here. They've, they've kind of dominated the Suns all season. And what we've seen from those matchups is the Suns have no one to guard Anthony Davis. Yeah. And the guys that you would consider maybe you try to put on Anthony Davis, they kinda need to be guarding LeBron. Yeah. So they they have like they're 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 kind of a weird team in that regard in terms of just the matchups. With that being said, I still think this is gonna be a, a really good series. And I still think I lean Suns right now. I think I lean Suns only because I think that I just feel offensively. I I don't trust the Lakers offense. Like, like that first half was scary to me in that game. I, I know maybe you're saying it's a pressure pack kind of game and there's a lot of tense things around it. Uh, maybe you could argue no teams really played great in any first half of any of these playing games so far. Uh, you know, Memphis played one good half, one good quarter, and one bad quarter. San Antonio played one good quarter, one bad quarter. I don't know what the hell the Eastern Conference teams were doing in any of these games, basically. But like, so, <laughs> so like to me, like you'd argue, know, maybe it's just like maybe you should throw that out and realize that that was a really weird game and everybody's playing kind of tight, more tight than normal. But I just think the I think the Suns will have their way offensively. The Lakers are a good defensive team, but I think the Suns have a lot of weapons. And I think whatever concern I would have had about, you know, is this team is these lights gonna be too bright for this team? I think Chris Paul kind of negates a lot of that, because I saw what Chris Paul did with the Thunder last year, a similar team where I would have thought I don't know if these lights are they're ready for this these kind of lights against two super you know at least two star players for sure, definitely two Hall of Famers, Westbrook and 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 uh, Harden or Westbrook missed some games in that series, but you know. They were, were were so ready for that game. And I felt like part of the reason why they were ready was because of Chris Paul's leadership throughout the whole season. And him just being in that locker room and letting them know what a time it was. By the time they were playing in those games, they were way more ready than I think anyone expected. And I think a lot of people feel like they should have won that series against the Rockets. I kind of feel like the Suns are going to be in the same place. We will think, oh, they're playing the champs. They had trouble with them all year. Maybe they're not going to be ready. I was like, I'm like, no, I think Chris Paul, the way he's led them all season, He'll have them ready for this and then and, and I think they'll have confidence that as long as he's out there, they're gonna have more than a shot. They're gonna have a real shot. Uh, especially with home court advantage.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I think the Suns are definitely I think they're gonna be ready for this moment. Like Monty too is gonna have this team prepared. Um Like, having that coaching, I don't want to call it a coaching advantage, because I think Vogel is also a very good coach, Um, but having, for a team that is as, you know, quote-unquote inexperienced as his son's team, uh, like, Monty Williams, I think, is one of the five best coaches in the league, so having a guy like that, five or six best coaches in the league, um, in a situation where, and then you have Chris Paul, who's... Uh, if he was a coach, probably be one of the probably be also a very a very very good coach, um, but also just one of the more experienced, uh, probably the most experienced point guard in the NBA. Um, that's gonna that's that's gonna do that's gonna do dividends against a Laker team that of course has LeBron. I feel like they'll be able to match up from a from a readiness standpoint, having a guy Chris Paul who he's not gonna be scared of LeBron, like you know. <laughs> That they're the same age, yeah. like you know, they, he's not gonna. Very, it's it's very rare that LeBron walks into a playoff series uh, against a guy who's who's using like, those legitimately appear, yeah, yeah, a peer, and equal, especially in the first round. Um, right. You know, I mean, last night was rare. You know, the fact that he's gonna playing and he's got to walk and play against Steph, like that's not probably what he expected. But, um, you know, now he's got a first round playoff series against a guy like Chris Paul, like. When he was playing against, you know, Toronto all those years, or the Hawks, or the Celtics, like he's going against guys, like he's little guys, he's, he's like little brothers, these kids yeah. that he's going against, like, right. you know. And if I mean, for the most part, it's a lot of what the sons are, but Chris Paul is a different is a, is a different uh, situation. So they're not gonna be able to punk this team. Uh, and I mean, we all know Jay Crowder is also built. Uh, <laughs> he's also built different than most, uh, most role players uh, in the NBA. But, yeah, in terms of a matchup standpoint, I mean, look, we saw the Lakers have a lot of success without Drummond on the floor and AD playing the five. Yeah. And that would actually probably be conducive to the Suns having success uh, if yes, AD played definitely. more five. Yeah. Um, we saw in their game last week when LeBron didn't play and AD was playing a lot of the four and he was dominant. Like, they couldn't stop him uh because i mean you can't i mean <laughs> jay crowder can't guard anthony davis I and mean, like hell bridges well you guys are trying but anthony davis is the best power forward in the nba so it's it's tough um i I mean i feel like they're gonna go back to trying to play Drummond a lot of minutes and if if you're the suns you just got to hope that Drummond struggles but this is a much different matchup than the golden state warriors like the suns i mean you can try and play small um but that's never been – I feel like that's not really their bread and butter. So, look, I mean, I think to me, the Suns are going to need Devin Booker to be able to have some incredible scoring performances for them to win these games. Um, if 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 Booker can go out and do what someone like Donovan Mitchell or Jamal Murray did last year um, – Against his Laker team, it's not going to be easy because look, KCP is a hell of a defender, yes, and is. that's going to be a that's going to be a great matchup. Caruso is a very good defender. Like these guys are going to be getting under. Yeah, Wesley Matthews is a great defender. Like those guys are going to be getting, going to be trying to get in under his skin. They're going to try and make it tough for him on every possession. They're going to double team him. And he's going
0: to complain. Why are you guys double teaming me in a playoff game? Uh, <laughs> Let's hope so, not, man. <laughs> hopefully he'll take that experience of being double team that yeah, at the 24 hour fitness Yeah, man. into so he's gonna yo, take need that experience to take into this series he's yo, bro, it's not even
1: the finals who are we doing <laughs> it's not even the finals man it's not even I, thought, I, thought, I
0: thought i thought we were working on our games <laughs> uh no
1: yeah so now yeah i think book that that's gonna be i think he's the x factor
0: you know because as much as we
1: talk about chris paul uh he's the most talented player on that team and he's the most explosive player on that team when it comes to being able to put up performances like that. And they're going to need it. Um, you know, and Aiden, I'm sure, is also an X-factor on some level. I am just not expecting much from Aiden in the series. That's that's my guess. And if he doesn't give them
0: much, then they're going to need a hell of a lot from Booker. Well, I, th- I think that a key for the... I think I, I agree with you that getting the Lakers to play small is their best bet. Because I think that you know, the Suns, even though they kind of play a, a somewhat conventional lineup in today's NBA, they they don't have the size to match the Lakers. But if Aiden really, if Aiden only has to deal with someone like you know AD in the plane, you can get rid of the other big. I think now you allow them to; it allows you to spread the floor more. Um, it makes it more of a little man game. And I think if that if it becomes that, if it becomes that kind of game, I don't think the Lakers want to play like that. Uh, the Suns will be able to get up and down the court and transition, uh and I think that that's where they'll hurt them. But to me, a lot of this game's gonna come down to early on. Can they hammer and just expose Drummond and PNR with ayton and, and 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 Paul two man action? Chris Paul, in a lot of this whole season, that what I've seen as really kind of let the game come to him, and then just taking over in the fourth quarter a lot of these games. I think that's why he's played so well. He's been able to kind of pace himself. He's a very he's a great player, one of the greatest point guards of all time. And he can not coast through games per se, but he can kind of be out there and kind of just play team ball and just by just being out there and being as great as he is and smart as he is, he will get 12, 13 points going into the fourth quarter. Like, you know, he'll he'll be at 13 and 5 going into the fourth. He would already had a solid game. That's not by him even like pushing the the, the, the pedal to the metal, so to speak. And it was, it's great because you got Booker who's carrying the load for most of that time. And then when the defenses start to kind of key in on Booker and kind of figure out what they're doing, then Paul can get into his action. I think that Paul may actually have to be more aggressive early in the series. When I've seen Chris Paul play against the Lakers in these kind of playoff series, a lot of times what we've seen is him, what was it, back in the day, killing Powell and Bynum on PNR action because uh, the Lakers would like to switch. If the Lakers are gonna be committed to playing big, and that means Drummond is gonna be guarding Chris Paul and guarding the, the primary pick and roll action. And it's not like Drummond's a bad defender. He's a he's but it's Chris Paul. Like I mean to me you gotta get him out of here. You gotta get him in foul trouble. You gotta make him unplayable and get to the Lakers playing small ball. Get to them playing you know, Kuzma's played really well of late, especially in this LeBron absence. I'm not sure you you want him out there. But, you know, get Marcus Marquis Morris more burn um you know get them playing more of those three guard lineups where maybe you got caruso and uh and uh you know call pope out there with with uh with with schroeder like i think that if they get the game in that kind of place they'll be fine the lakers will be able to to be comfortable and just just maul them on the inside then they're gonna get hurt and that's gonna be i think really the chess match in this game in this in this whole series which I, i i think is gonna go at least six maybe seven games Yes, this is gonna be. I think I think it could go six. Um,
1: I think think it could go six or seven. Um, I I lean Phoenix as well. I don't know. Uh, I I feel like this isn't a great matchup for them, but
0: I'm I'm putting my eggs in the Monty Williams basket here. You know what this series reminds me of, Kendall? This series reminds me. I don't think it's gonna end anything like this, but. I think kind of like the way we're looking at the series and how we're approaching it, this series looks to me like when Dallas swept the Lakers and their run to the NBA Finals. Like, everybody just assumed, oh, like, Dallas, they ain't ready for this moment. We know what they are in the playoffs. We know who the Lakers are and Kobe are. Like, like this will be, like, the Lakers are going to handle them. Even though right. Dallas, you know, it was a good team all season and, and looked to be... It just seemed like a bad matchup. It was like for this team, temperament and psyche, and what that happened in the regular season, they don't want smoke with the Lakers. And I feel like the Laker, a lot of Laker fans and a lot of Lakers surroundings in terms of the people that follow this team, they feel very comfortable in this series. And again, I, I understand it. You're the champions, and you've played well against Phoenix. I think that if they think Phoenix is the little brother, I think that they're crazy. Like, I, the, Phoenix is not little brother. Phoenix is not. Um, you know, what, you know, again, that Celtics team was when they were playing as LeBron in the final Phoenix is the Sacramento Kings in 2001, 2002. That's how I look at them. So if they come in with that attitude, I think that they're in a root for a rude awakening. Because Phoenix is legit. Um, But, you know, they're going to be growing pains. It's not going to be easy. I don't, like, so like I said, I don't think they're, they're going to sweep the Lakers. Anything ain't crazy like that. But I think that this is going to be a very tough series and that this will be a back and forth series. I think that the Lakers will probably get one of these first two games Um, I think Phoenix will probably get one in L.A., and then it's going to be a best of three down the stretch. And at that point, anything can happen. Who's more healthy? Who can make the right execution? Who can make the right uh, right, uh, adjustments? And that's where playoff basketball is at its best. But I think we're both leading Phoenix in that series, which may be a surprise to some people. But I've been impressed with Phoenix all season. And I think I I believe in them even a little bit more than I believe in uh, Utah. Despite—I don't like the draw for Phoenix, but— I, the whole, I mean, we talked about it. I, I told you all year, I thought that Phoenix was definitely a second a second round team once we kind of saw the games shaking out, how their season was working. I, I The Utah is great, but this team has more firepower and more guys who I feel like when the game becomes a playoff-like game, am I confident they can get off? I think Booker's gonna be ready for the moment. I know what Chris Paul is. This is his opportunity to really find and get over that hump. Uh, we've seen him kind of, get right close to that threshold and then fall short somehow. I think this will be the time where he finally gets over the hump against a kind of a beaten up Lakers team that will show the heart of a champion. And LeBron will have some incredible moments, just like the moment he created in the plan. But I think they'll fall just short. When it comes to the rest of the Western Conference series, we can't obviously talk about the Jazz that much or at all, really. Um, But when we talk about the other series that we have, you got Phoenix, excuse me, uh, uh, Dallas, Against uh, the Clippers, um, the Nuggets against the Blazers. St- staying with the Dallas, the Dallas Clippers series. This one, I don't know how to. I don't know how I feel about this one because I, I don't feel like I have a great feel for either team. Part of it being the health of Dallas and the, some of the guys being in alignment, some of their uneven play, the management of the Clippers. <laughs> Yeah, and the load management of the Clippers, and I, I, I told you before, I, I just don't think the, I, I mean, I don't think the, I don't think the Clippers are. To me, I don't look at them as I looked at them last season. I don't think they're as good as they were last year. Like, you know, some of the moves that they've made, like, to me, if they don't, like, they only you only make them to win the postseason. So like, getting rid of Lou Williams and putting Rondo in there. Rondo's had some good moments. He's played okay this year. I wouldn't think that over the course of a season, Rondo's a better player than Lou Williams. So to me, in my eyes, you kind of got worse. But in the playoffs, you're expecting that Rondo in the playoffs will be a much better player than Lou Williams has been. Now we got to see it. This is the moment. But when I look at the, the Clippers, they, they, I mean, maybe the regular season doesn't matter, but given where they were in the West last year and where they ended up this season, have you seen any marketed improvement? Like I, I feel like I've seen them make this, have the same kind of disappointing losses. I have seen them, you know, have great runs during the regular season and look strong, but for for a team that I feel like you would have thought after how la- things ended last year, you wanted to see them kind of take a, another step and, and kind of you know kind of step up their play in the regular season. I didn't see that, so I, I think that they could definitely lose this series potentially. And that's obviously not good, considering this is a team with championship aspirations. Um. So look, I think the Rondo
1: acquisition. A lot of it is about getting them. They needed a real point guard who, who's going to be able to get them into their sets. They did. Um. And really gives them some some you know a, a real head on the basketball court. Um. You know, and and. Reggie Jackson, I, I think he's actually giving them some good play as well, uh, but I, I feel like his play is going to be a little bit more erratic uh, in the postseason than Rondo. Um, I don't know if he's as trustworthy of a of a, of a, of a PG in that situation. Um, to me, I, I feel like the this this Dallas team I think is better than the team they played last year. I definitely um, think that. You know, it, I mean, assuming there's no injury issues like they had last year. Like um, they're playing the best basketball they've played all season. Donch is a year older. Um, Dalen Brunson's played the best basketball of his career. Uh, Hardaway's played really well. Um, You know, uh, uh, Dwight Powell is back. Josh Green's giving them good minutes uh, as a rookie. Um, You know, to me, I think that this Dallas team is going to be tough it's just I feel like the Clippers control their own destiny in this situation, just like they did against Denver. And, mm-hmm. and they dropped the ball. Like as well as Denver played in that series, the Clippers still could have won. No, like, they still probably should have won that series. Um but they, they 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 didn't they didn't uh step on they didn't they didn't, you know, step on the on the on the gas pedal mm-hmm. uh against Denver and I feel like this team, from a matchup's perspective, they're gonna I mean, it was the same it's the same issue that Dallas had last year. Um, at least we thought that Dallas was gonna have, which is gonna be you have two excellent
0: perimeter defenders that to throw at Doncic. Yeah, literally it's probably the two best guys you could possibly have. Yeah. Yeah, literally. yeah, literally. Right. <laughs> you know,
1: guard Doncic are on the are on the Clippers. And so for a seven game series, he's gonna have to do something special. And last season he was excellent and made it a series in part because he played well. Um really I, I feel like Porzingis is going to be huge. He's the X he's the X Factor to me. Yeah. If if because... he played excellent basketball and if he is able to be dominant not just outside but inside, it's gonna make it I feel like the Clippers won't really have an answer for him. And Doncic doesn't have to beat you scoring the basketball. Um, and so that's what's so dangerous about it is You have a guy like Porzingis where, like, if he's averaging 24, 23-24 in a series, and Doncic is averaging 22-23, he's averaging 12 assists, like, and this Dallas team is hitting a bunch of threes, like, I mean, there's not much you can do about it. And that's mm-hmm. what's so dangerous about Doncic is that not just his. Yes, Paul Jordan and Choir are going to do a great job on him in isolation situations, but it's in the pick and roll, finding other guys. It's yes. he's
0: gonna he he's not afraid to rely on those other guy those other guys to make yeah. shots. Yeah, I mean, I know Porzingis plays a lot of four, but yeah, I, to me, I think Serge Ibaka is really going to be key in this series. Because to me, he's really the only big that matches up remotely well with Porzingis because. It's not going to be Zubac. and it's not going to be DeMarcus Cousins. In theory, no. Porzingis should kill those guys. Yeah. So I think that, you know, Serge Ibaka, they seem to be revving up his minutes a little bit towards the end of the season. Uh, to me, he's like a 30 minute guy to me this series. When Porzingis is on the floor, for, for me, Ibaka's on the floor. Uh, You're right. Especially, and then when they go small, so to quote unquote, Porzingis is seven, 7 3. But if Porzingis is playing the five, then we're not messing around with Zubac or, or Cousins at all. Like Again, like I think that – because what's going to happen is what because Porzingis can have the gravity to bring people out on the perimeter, it's going to allow Doncic to play a lot more one-on-one basketball. And he showed last season that he could score on Kawhi and, and Paul George. Yeah, he didn't he, have much trouble. Yeah, I mean, he's an, he's an incredible player. I don't say that lightly. Like, not many guys can do that. But he showed that, oh, one-on-one covers against those guys – like, we always say in the NBA, great offense beats, great defense. He's going to score on those guys. He's going to score on anybody who's going up against him if, if he gets true spacing. So, Porzingis, they didn't get him last They didn't have him for parts of that series last year. And it might have been the difference in the series, honestly. That, to me, is, is the, the difference in this series. But with him, as we always talk about, I mean, I say he's the X Factor, but he's also got to play all seven games or however many games it's going to be. Yeah. And with his injury situation that we've had all season with him I, it's just not a given he seems fine now but he seems fine in the playoffs last year and then he, all of a sudden he was hurt so uh keeping him upright is going to be crucial as well i think i'm gonna lean clippers in seven but this will be a tough series that's why again i, lo- I can't I, wait for the western cons i think that's all really tough series feel
1: like i also can't help but feel like the move that they made this offseason to move Josh Richardson or move Steph, Seth Curry rather Seth Curry, Josh yeah. Richardson, was in part to help them beat this team because, like, it, like, like as well as Seth Curry played offensively, he can't you
0: know, guard anybody on the Clippers. Yeah,
1: he can't guard anybody on this team. Right. You know anybody that he would need to guard. Right. <laughs> you know except maybe Pat Beverly. Yeah, I mean you
0: need him. You need him to guard Paul George. Right, exactly. You know, like that's because they're playing Kawhi and PG at the same time, and the Clippers play big for the most part. So it's not like you're seeing a lot of minutes of Kawhi at the four. He happens sometimes, but it's not a lot. Because Dodgers are doing so, and not against that, and not against that team when they're power forward seven three. You know, so yeah, yeah, so that I agree with that in the sense that that because on paper is the trade looked terrible, and I think it looked terrible lot of the season. Right, Seth Curry is a much better player than Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson, I think, has struggled for a lot of this year. But, I mean, Richardson's a great defender. And he's the kind of athlete and a kind of pest that you'll need to wear down Kawhi and Paul George for these series and, and not allow. And maybe you'll be able to hide Doncic uh, in these matchups. Because if you can exactly. get. Exactly. You no, know, because you got Finney Smith. We know he can defend. You can put Finney Smith on one of these guys, let Doncic guard Marcus Morris. No way you know or something like that like you know you're 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 far better off
1: Josh green probably gets some minutes if i mean if he's in the rotation uh, you know he'll, he'll he'll be able to get do something defensively against these guys like where, where, where are you leaning in this series um i mean it's it, it's gonna be tough i think it's gonna come down to I mean, we mentioned it, you know, I feel like the Clippers are the team that controls their destiny in this series. And I trust Kawhi and PG enough, not a whole lot, but I trust them enough, uh, particularly Kawhi to be able to uh, play well. I think PG's going to exercise some demons that he he had from last season. Um, You know, this isn't a team that beat them, but there was certainly some bad blood uh, in that series. Montrose Harrell was one of the, Main yeah. sources of that, but so was Marcus Morris, and he's still yeah. there. So, right. um, you know, I think that that is going to light a fire under both teams. I think we're gonna have a very physical series, but I'm leaning the, uh, the Clippers in a uh, seven seven
0: gamer. What about this series between the uh, Nuggets and Blazers? N- uh, Nuggets that home court advantage. Jokic among the um, finalists for MVP. Certainly feels like this is what you call the uh, the ten thirty. Playoff series. Yeah, yeah. NBA, this is this is the NBA. This is the NBA TV series, which is kind of crazy because again, I don't NBA, know if it'll be
1: NBA TV. The MVPs on it
0: at like midnight. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's they true. They might bury them on TNT and, and ESPN on, at ten thirty every yeah, game. Man, they got the, they, sure got the they got the they got the ten thirty.
0: Didn't they get the ten thirty Sunday slot? Like that's just the worst slot.
1: Yeah, it's like man.
0: That's nope. what everybody. Everybody's is just basketball out. They're getting ready. for Most people are getting ready for work. Um. <laughs> Like, they ain't got no time to watch (laughs) these guys. Uh, So, yeah, they're they're definitely the Western Conference series that the NBA thinks the least of, as of right now. Again, we don't know what the Jazz situation will be if the Warriors are involved. But (laughs) this this is an interesting series, too, because Denver had the potential to have that supernova guard to at least try to go up against Dame Lillard. Um, with the way Jamal Murray played uh, at the, in, in the bubble last year, and I think he, was, you know, his I think his season maybe was a slightly disappointing, but I think he was starting to turn it around before he got injured. Yeah. Like now, obviously, you don't have that talent in the backcourt, so you feel like McCollum and Lillard will probably have their way. You know, in the game they felt like they had to get at the end of the season. You know, they they, they kind of blew out uh, Dan Brown. If you really take much into that game, but. I don't think this is a great matchup for the Nuggets. The 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 Blazers have a lot of skill at a lot of different positions. They're not a good defensive team, so that will help. But I I don't know. I, I just get the feeling that Denver's uh, I don't want to say they're like uh, I don't want to say they're like you know like smoky mirrors here. But I, I just think that like the the West may be too good for them to beat a really good team in a playoff series, not having like a guy like Murray. Like to me, in this series, to me, Michael Porter is the X factor because they actually have a decent matchup against him and Robert Covington. So it's gonna to be to me he's got to, he's got to kill Robert Covington. We know Jokic is gonna have big numbers. Um, you know he, Nurkic, I think will have problems covering Jokic, though that should be a, a entertaining matchup. But considering we you know McCollum and and Lillard will probably have big days, they're gonna need a number two to have a big series. And the only guy they have in that kind of ilk will be Porter, and he's had a great season. The guy's a great young player. I think he's a future All Star. You know, but is he ready to have that kind of series for you know six, seven games again? I don't know. I'm gonna say that Lillard and these guys pull it out uh, and win in the series in about six, which is unfortunate because you know is we don't want to see Denver go out because of an injury. But I, I think that's why basically basically the series is gonna go the way it will. I think there's gonna be too much speed, too much um, talent on the perimeter for Denver to match. So it's interesting because Denver
1: has played excellent basketball,
0: despite the Murray injury.
1: Yeah, they did. Um, now you wonder: does some of that have to do with like also the acquisition of Aaron Gordon, who um, was a great move? Yeah, it was an excellent move. Very, 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 very good move by uh, Tim Connolly. Um, does that offset? The, the murray injury in and in, a, in, in some way uh i mean look they they're gonna they, they've played differently um since murray got hurt they don't they're not relying on on a whole lot of offensive volume from their backcourt anymore mm-hmm. um you know it's
0: so it's it's so tough for a team to lose such a high, such a high volume scorer at the point guard position um and, be and like to... so much of their so much of their offense is also two man game with him and Jokic in like late situations, and yeah, they just I mean Compas is good, but I mean you're not putting him in that kind of action. No, not a at lot all. of this has been no. Jokic orchestrating plays and making plays for others. As opposed yeah. to Murray, you know, with the ball Austin Rivers hands. has
1: had good moments.
0: Mm-hmm. He's
1: sort of a weird like poor man's Jamal Murray in some way, right? Um, so that that was actually a decent acquisition. And it was a good fit. For for this team, um, that to me is going to be the is the key is like defensively, are they going to I mean are they going to lean a lot on guys like Austin Rivers and Shaq Harrison to play to to guard Lillard and McComb? because I don't know if Composo
0: is doing anything. It's, he's it's, gonna have a tough time. Yeah, he's, he's gonna have a tough, have a really time. tough time. And that's um, that's that's the problem because he's a very good player and an important he's an important player. player. For him. So, if you know, he, he becomes a doing. guy that gets picked on, which seems likely, then what do you do? They, I mean, you really can't go to anyone else. They, they're they going to have to. Marcus
1: Howard's played... He he's actually played really good for them the last
0: week or two, and,
1: but he's also a guy where he's only going to give you anything offensively. Like, so it's not like you can say, oh, you know, oh, we're having a tough time scoring the basketballs. Let's put Marcus Howard in. He, I mean, he's going to get picked on defensively. Like... You know, yeah, Mon- I, I don't, yeah, I don't have a
0: great feel of what even this rotation is going to look like.
1: They've been they've been very inconsistent all season. They've been playing
0: a lot of different guys during this stretch where they haven't had Murray. Yeah, they've been trying to figure it out. Um, And when you have
1: Nicole Jokic, it kind of doesn't matter who the point yeah. guard is. Like, when you have a big man who...
0: That, you but know, you say that, but like it, it matters when your other point guard is Damon Lillard. It, I guess I, most teams, it won't matter. It matters in this series. Yes because um, the
1: now, other thing about it
0: too is like it's it's also it's not even just about guarding Lillard it's about making him work defensively and yeah. he just doesn't have to work that hard if he's going up against some of these guys that we're talking about and the guy who would make him work the hardest is probably Composo because Compazzo moves me non-stop and he's all over the place he's 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 orchestrating the offense he's dribbling over. like Lillard has to chase that guy around it's not like he's guarding Steph Curry but it's at least some work. If it becomes a, such a problem where he can't guard him at all, and you can't find anywhere to place him, and now you're playing a lot more of Austin Rivers at the one, you know, or you know, or Harrison is playing a lot of minutes. Like that's now you can really relax more when those guys are on the floor. You know, Rivers is capable, but he's not. He's he he's not as much of a of a, of a headache to have to kind of cover.
1: Yeah, I mean, now if you're the if you're the Clippers Blazers. I mean, rather the Blazers. I worry about them defensively matching up against Nikola Jokic. I mean, you know Nurkic uh, yeah, is a mean, bad I defender. About, I worry about everybody trying to
0: match up against that monster. Yeah, but
1: yeah, you know, I mean, they they've played Cantor a lot of minutes this season. And he's played great, but he he's gonna be useless. He's gonna against, get destroyed. Yeah, I mean that's bar that's complete barbecue barbecue chicken. Yeah. Um. Like he can play a lot of minutes when you know against most NBA centers because his defensive liability aren't as bad against against most teams. But and so on the on the backboard,
0: you know I mean, will they have trouble? you know, will they have trouble? To, you know, so much of their offense, so much of what they get is is you know Conter just killing people in the offensive Yeah, glass. getting
1: second second chance points and second yeah. chance
0: opportunities. They're not gonna
1: have that anymore. I mean, they're they're gonna have it, but you're gonna also have to deal with some of the some of the the, the both sides of it. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is it. it Denver is a three seed for a reason. You know, it's not. This isn't an easy matchup for them. But
0: I feel I, like I, I feel like this this series to me feels like it. It feels like to me like this will tell me a lot about Portland and where the head is. Cause I'll be honest, I, like I didn't like how this season ended for them at all. I know they did play okay, no. but like I didn't you know I didn't like the the random Lillard doesn't like how things are going in Portland article. And not that I had anything against Chris Haynes who wrote the article, but that kind of thing is coming out when you're trying to make a playoff run. That that, that tells me there's something is very wrong behind the scenes. That Lillard is looking at the organization feeling like they're not doing enough and he doesn't know if they're they've committed uh, to winning the same way that he has not to say that any of those points are wrong I don't know if I even disagree with anything that was said but just how does it help them in this series how right how them? does that how does this conversation being brought up by someone and Chris Haynes you know presented it more as a column than like a a source, for, a source. per se but if Chris Haynes is saying anything about Damian Lillard you should expect it that he ain't getting this just out of thin air. This is his opinion. Like he yeah. he he knows below the ground something isn't right, and Dame knows it's not right. Maybe it's not. it's like we're making it. I'm gonna point this observation, but trust that Dame knows that that this at the very least he knows that this is my observation. Like you know, it's not like Dame was you know he he woke up one morning he read the article was like oh man where did Chris Haynes come up with this yeah like, no he that. yeah no he he knew how he felt he he may even agree. So I was very leery of Portland because of that and in terms of this playoffs and why, again, I don't think they're a championship contender. But when I saw the matchup with Denver, I was like, this is really the top five teams, maybe the only team I think that they could beat. So to me now, this is really – to me, it's like, are y'all ready to play? Like, are you guys focused and going to have the right approach because this is a team that you match up well against? I know Jokic is a beast, but if you can't beat this team – this will say a lot about that that team and just where their heads are in terms of are they committed to winning a championship and being invested in this run? Because I, when I feel saw at the end of the season, I, I did not like. I also feel like Aaron Gordon's gonna do a do a do a number on Melo, man. <laughs> he's kind of been kind of I don't know. I feel he's been kind of shaky the last couple. Of yeah, weeks. Yeah, offensively, he's he's kind of a. I I I can't see that because offensively, he's just such a like wild card, and I don't mean that in the best way. Like, right. He can play well. He can play. But I almost feel like with him, I almost don't look at the box score to decide whether he played well or not. Because he's like, to me, your ultimate player of just because he didn't make shots didn't mean he didn't play well. You know, now, now, no, uh, I'm talking about Gordon. Right. I know. I was talking about Melo. Oh, you think Melo. I mean, you you think Melo. Right. Yeah. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah. He probably will. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Gordon like, Gordon is a great defensive
1: player. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that like I feel like that's going to be a tough series for Melo to be able to really put his imprint. But now, the thing
0: is, I mean, like, you know, cuz you can may, order on, but, but the problem though is that they can't cover Lillard or McCollum and those guys can find Melo for easy shots. You know, yeah, it's not going to be the looks. Yeah, it's not Melo having to do a lot of work necessarily against Gordon. That would help. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of pressure on Rivers, a lot of pressure
1: on Morris, Composito, all those guys to be able to get stops.
0: Where are you leaning in this series?
1: Uh, I am still leaning uh, the Nuggets. Mm. I think they've got... I mean, look, it's, it's going to be tough if Lillard is the best player in the series, which is very possible. um <laughs> that he, can, he will have four games where he's the best player on the court. But... Um, I, to me, it's it's, it's, it's just going to be tough uh, for this team to stop Jokic and Porter. Mm. And I don't know. I feel like for a seven-game series, we've seen teams scheme, scheme up ways to make things tough for Lillard, make things tough for McCollum. So uh, that's where I'm leaning right now.
0: Okay. I see you on that. Let's move over to the Eastern Conference, where I feel like if the NBA could have written in the beginning of the season the teams that they would have wanted to be the eight teams in the playoffs. I'd argue that these were the teams. When you consider and I'd argue that they, they maybe got a perfect storm of matchups in terms of the Eastern Conference. In terms of what you could have hoped for. Especially after what we saw the regular season was. You right. got you got the the Knicks and Hawks, two teams that haven't been in playoffs in a while. That have great opportunities to make it to the second round, um, both in big markets. Atlanta, not a great sports market, but New York and the Knicks fans, we all know what that what that's about. Um, yeah, the rematch. Nate Buss is
1: convinced that there's a conspiracy. Yeah, he's already
0: yeah, he's already calling collusion already. He's been fined twenty five thousand. But like I, you know, like I said, I I said off air, like like to me, this was uh, you know, this is the playoff mind games. I I don't like. It's funny, I see some Knicks fans getting like upset about it. I'm not I I love that Nick McMillan did that. Like like I'm a Knicks fan, I'm rooting for the Knicks. I hope to God they win this series. Um but I love the I love competition. I love, you know, whatever. So to me, like, yeah, Nick McMillan is doing talking about, oh, you know, we might not get some calls in this series (laughs) and there's gonna be challenges playing against the New York team. Like like, that's what he should do. Like, this is what playoff basketball is about, getting into the referee's heads early on that, hey, don't be, maybe you should think about not, uh, you know, making calls necessarily and start to wonder if you're getting influenced by the Knicks being in the playoffs. And we know the guarding crowd is going to be 15,000 um, strong, which is going to be the most of any team in the playoffs this year. Like, we know that that crowd is going to be on everything, every call, every play. Nathan Millen, that was money well spent going with a young team in what's going to be uh, a more hostile environment than any other place in the NBA, given that, the, one, it's the Garden, but, two, there's going to be a lot of fans there, considering uh, and compared to a lot of other places. So, yeah, Nathan Millen's already starting off the the, the playoff mind game, doing his best Phil Jackson impersonation. He's trying right, to get some you know, calls. Get some calls early on. It's, it's smart. Tough. If you're a coach, that's smart. And if I was – schlank and, and those bad guys bad. In, in atlanta i'd pay off that fine for him like that was money well spent <laughs> um
1: yeah i mean <laughs> it's like someone's one of these knicks fans is like man the nba's been trying to get the knicks into the playoffs they've been doing a they, they a fail for, up, they fail for 20 years news yeah all
0: right they've been doing an awful job at it because i mean but like he knows it's ridiculous just, it's a ridiculous. Yeah. Talking point. It's it's all about just the mind games, which I love playoff mind games. Like I, to me, the reason why NBA playoffs. I know I'm a basketball fan, so maybe I'm biased, but I feel like NBA playoffs is the best postseason. Part of it is because of this kind of stuff. It's a storyline. Every series is a storyline. Some storylines are not that good. Some storylines are amazing. So all of this drama that goes into a playoff series, like I love it. And to me, like if there was any series that probably needed something like that, it was probably Knicks and Hawks because. The other series, the storylines are there in the East. You know, we already know Milwaukee and the Heat. It's on. You know, we know what that issue is in terms of what the Heat did to them last season. Uh, Celtics, Nets. I don't got to say anything else <laughs> regarding that. And then you know, Westbrook and 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 and, and Embiid have gotten into it. Um, you got the Wizards, Sixers regional regional matchup there. Uh, big star power. So. The Knicks series in the Hawks, these are two teams that haven't been in the postseason, no real experience. I think they're two teams that kind of like they're not all that like disagreeable or like controversial. You know, they don't have controversial stars in terms of guys who will talk a lot. Some people don't like Trey on flopping, but otherwise, he's not. They don't have anybody that you could dislike. They don't have anybody that talks, you know, crazy in the media. Their well, their coaches are usually pretty mild mattered. Um, in terms of just kind of like staying within the lines, they're they're fiery in the games tibbs is but they're not going to say anything crazy outside of the game so there's anything any series that needed some spice like this is it because i think both of these teams come into this situation not necessarily kind of knowing what this is going to be about so i love that nate did that in that series i we'll we'll talk about the knicks in a second um i do want to start with the Nets and Celtics. The Celtics got the the first the first playing spot of all the playing spots in in this uh, in these playoffs, and now you have this matchup where Kyrie, who is still not played, by my accounts, has he played a regular season game against Celtics, or did he played one or any? Uh, he, oh, Christmas Day was in Boston. There were no fans. Right. He he's not played against Boston Celtic fans. That's what I heard. I knew there was something with it. with uh. As my series going off, um, <laughs> he's not played against Boston <laughs> Celtic fans since he left. No, nah. they gave and... him some puff piece, uh,
1: you know, uh, some puff piece montage tribute video or whatever. I don't know. I, I don't know if they did. I'm sure they did, or they gave him some sort of,
0: you know, I don't know, whatever they did on Christmas. But but it's gonna be, but gonna be a bunch I mean, different. The, I mean, the Boston <laughs> crowd was very hostile to Russell Westbrook for no reason. <laughs> Just for being Russell Westbrook, I and mean, you can argue why that was. I'm not getting into that. I'm just saying, if they had that kind of smoke with Russell Westbrook, who has never had any run-ins with the Celtics, really major run-ins with like, the Celtics fans or anything like that, then this Kyrie situation yeah, is going to be if, extremely if, hostile. If this, I think it would be the Nets to get the Celtics out of here quickly, normal, which I think they if will. If in
1: but. a normal environment, like, there would be some serious pressure on the like, and look, Kyrie probably answered, answered as well. He's never had any issue with pressure. But, like, I don't know what, I don't know how loud it's going to be in there, how hectic it's going to be in there. There's not going to be that many people. Like, even that game against the Wizards, like, it was, wasn't like there were that many people there. It was fairly loud, but it was, like, the lower bowl was, was mostly empty. Um, So, like, that, that's going to make it a, mo- a lot easier uh, because it's still not going to be, like, a packed crowd of people just, booy I mean he's like the only other athlete that would know anything about being that hated in Boston is LeBron. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of like basketball. Like what like Kobe of course was not liked. it was a respect, but was not liked. Um, D Wade was certainly not liked at all. Mm-hmm. But of course LeBron was enemy number one. Right now, Kyrie is by far enemy number one, even beyond LeBron in, for Southeast fans. So, and now LeBron's reached that Kobe territory where it's like, look, yeah, we had our, our battles, but now it's, it's just respect. It's like, yeah, we don't like you, but, you know, <laughs> you're a Laker or whatever, but it's not it's not like we see him, you know, every every game. But with Kyrie, no, this is, this is a lot different than any, I think, anything anybody's ever experienced. I mean, this is, you know, this is what Johnny Damon going to the Yankees? Like yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> but imagine yeah. if that was the face of the franchise. Yeah,
0: you know, like that. I mean, I, I mean, this is this is a, a ridiculous. And it's like before before he f- fulfilled any of the promise that they hoped for him,
1: <laughs> right?
0: But like Johnny Damon at least won a championship.
1: Yo, Kyrie. I mean, the the Kyrie to the Celtics thing is like, it's like the all time just like disrespect. To a fan base and an organization now you could argue he doesn't owe anything to them so it's not i mean it's not like i'm, I'm blasting Kyrie, but just if you want to know why if, yeah
0: this is this is just what it is you could yeah if, people if you complain about know, it you could cry if, about it but this is how it's going to be
1: yeah if there's going to be if you want to know if there's going to be tension yes and why is <laughs> because it was the it was arguably the biggest middle finger to a fan base a player has ever given in the history of basketball even more so than lebron leaving cleveland I mean, people can say LeBron leaving Cleveland, doing the decision. That was a middle finger to the Cleveland fan base. Of course, to some extent it was. But, like, all of the, a lot of that was because Cleveland fans thought he, he was coming back. He's from, he's from the – stuff LeBron can't control. He couldn't he control the decision, couldn't control the fact that he's from Ohio, couldn't control mm-hmm. the fact that people thought he would come back and that people knew he wasn't coming back. Kyrie did a lot of things that he very easily could have controlled and decided
0: – Screw it. Yep. <laughs> so so yeah. Just to set the stage. But yeah. So so I mean but so the question becomes, you know, can Boston make this a series? Because Brad Stevens is getting a lot of heat for his comments after they won, saying that this is, you know, most NBA fans, it's gonna be hard for anybody to see the Nets lose. That's gonna be really tough. <laughs> they have to play really well. And some people have thought that it was very defeatist for a team that's supposed to be going into competition. And I don't know. I, I feel like some people aren't giving Brad Stevens any credit. I, I'm not. This, I'm not here to, to maybe suggest that it was the wrong approach, but again, we're in playoff time. Anything a coach says in the playoff time, if they're not, if you're thinking about it just on surface level, I don't think. I think that you're not paying attention because everything you're saying through the media is part of the game. So if you're Brad Stevens, you're going against a true three-headed monster. Where you just lost your second best player, an All Star, Jalen Brown, and it's going to be a long day and a tough day for you going against this team. Why would it behoove you for a team that already there's already hard feelings? We know how Kyrie feels about Boston and everything about Boston. We know how that those guys, at least you know, at least Durant, who really is the guy that only guy that really matters, how he feels about Kyrie, protecting Kyrie, and showing off for Kyrie. You know how he knows how Kyrie feels about it. You know that their attention to detail and their focus is going to be a one. Like I don't have any doubt that the, the Nets are going to be ready for this series. Why on earth, if you're Brad Seacons, are you going to be like, we're going to give these, we're going to really compete and make things tough on the on the Nets, and we're not going to be an easy Why the hell would you say that? It would make more sense to now. Hopefully, it is a game, but to me, it would make more sense to let the sleeping dogs lie. That, to me, was what he was trying to do. Kevin Durant reads everything that's said on social media and in an entire world. He knows everything that's said about him. So if you know that, why would you poke that bear under any circumstances? So I think for Brad, he was like, I'm going to play this really cool, be like, hey, man, they're a great team. Nobody thinks we got a shot. We'll just have to see what happens, and we'll try to play hard. I understand what he was trying to do. I think that's clear what he was trying to do. Some people saying, "Oh, he's soft. He don't want to compete." Again, we all know they're gonna be in for a hard day in a long series. Like that's it's not a rocket science. This idea, this like fake Johnny, it's this Johnny hustle fake bravado that people want from him. I'm like, that's stupid. It's 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 stupid to poke the bear of 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 Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden. What he did, maybe it wasn't the smartest thing. If his team takes it away, it it won't work. But it was much better doing that than saying we're gonna punch him in the mouth. That would have like, been idiotic.
1: Understand with Brad Stevens because people are taking it and saying, like, look, even if people agree with you, I think there are there's a segment of people that are saying it's great that he doesn't want the Nets to to, to wake up, but you're also telling your team we've got no chance, and so these guys are gonna come out sluggish and come out saying we ain't got a chance, and I, there's gonna be no fight. But I, what I, what I think people are missing is that. I don't. Brad Stevens, as far as we know, and we don't know what's being said behind closed doors. But I would right. imagine behind closed doors, the message is a lot different of than whatever he said with a microphone.
0: Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, a camera in his face. <laughs> like I'm sure he. I mean, probably. And, a lot people, of, and like to and to me, like people who don't think that, like either, like, like to me. I mean, look. I like. I feel like you could play very low level sports, and how yeah. your coaches talk to. But like even youth basketball or youth sports, how your coaches talk to like the team parents or the school administration about your team, and how he talks to the players is or she is he or she doesn't matter. Night and night and day, like what goes on in, in behind locker room and closed doors and how coaches speak to them, totally different. So this notion, like, I think it's like a facade. People are like, oh, Brad Stevens, clearly he don't he think that they have no chance. I'm like, there's no way in hell that's what Brad Stevens. That's not his go get him. Gipper speech that he's right. giving to the Celtics before he pats him on the butt and they run out there in Barclays. Come on, yeah, give him yeah, s- but- have some, give him some credit. Like, come yeah. on, like some of this stuff is not rocket science. I would, I, why would I want to play for Brad? Yeah, T- now like- if you want to argue that him saying that, it maybe you want to argue that that it will give the players a sense that maybe he doesn't believe in them and that's what he's saying to me. That's a different argument. This argument that he actually thinks that he's actually going to, that's actually how he feels, and he, that's how he's telling, that's how he's going to approach the series, is crazy. It's right. legitimately crazy to me. Now,
1: look, from a, from, a, from a matchup standpoint, um, to me, like, look, the Celtics are going at this. There would be more pressure on this team if Jalen Brown was out there. Because they would, they would still be playing with there, Lips,
0: but Yeah, there would be an expectation that they should compete.
1: Right, that this that every game, they should be in it in every game. Now, there's the expectation that they shouldn't be in any of these games. No. That, you know, they that they'll likely get swept and that this won't be a series. And as a Celtics fan, look, I, I've seen many a series, typically it's against LeBron, where we've had, we've been slated to have no chance. Um, and a lot of times we lose in four or five games. <laughs> I remember the Cleveland series... Where Avery Bradley hit that game-winning shot and we won one game, <laughs> you know, we, that was it. Um, but like to me, this is this is a series where I think it could be, I think we could steal one or two games with Tatum having a Tatum having terrific performances. Like we saw the way he played against Washington. I don't think it's inconceivable that he could be the best player on the floor in any of these games. Um, and if you've got the best player on the floor and defensively, if the Celtics can hold some of these guys in check
0: at that point, you know, I think it's inconceivable that he will play, he will play better than all three guys on the Nets in one game.
1: You think that's inconceivable that Jason Tatum won't, like if he plays how he did last night or against Washington rather. Right. And he scored 50.
0: I don't think he's I mean, getting. I don't, I don't 20, think. He's, 50. I, don't, I don't think he's getting. I don't think he's getting fifty against the Nets. Tatum's a Tatum's a great player. I just think the problem with a team like the Nets is, like, could he? Could he in one night play better than Kyrie Irving? One hundred percent. Could he on one night play better than James Harden? One hundred percent. Could he in one game even Kevin Durant? I would even say one hundred percent that is possible. We saw but, him do it against. To me, three a the chances of that. that all three of those guys would play below his level. In a that, game like that, that, that's that's hard. Yeah, in a playoff atmosphere, I I don't know if I see that. I, I don't know if I see that. He's a great player, but I think there are levels to this, and the notion that none of those three guys will be able to answer the bell to him, like there are very few guys like that. Like to me, Giannis is like that. We saw that when they they beat them when Durant had forty three, he had whatever forty eight, whatever he had. Like Giannis is on that level, Steph is on that level, LeBron's on that level. Um, but that it's a very short list. I don't know if I'd look at Tatum. And again, it's all three guys. It's like all none of these you guys are going to answer the bell to Tatum playing at a that, normal level. It, I, I don't see that. The, but what we see in the playoffs the is that usually you see players rise up to their competition. So to me, if Tatum has one of those big kind of games where he's getting 40, or if he gets 50, I don't think he's going to get 50, but definitely he's a guy that can go for 40 against his team. The idea that none of those guys on the Nets will be able to meet him that would shock me that no one, that, that no one meets him. Is there a chance where the team just lackluster and they get kind of beat as a team? Yeah. But in a game like that, I that would surprise me. Now, I have to imagine,
1: I don't know what Scott Brooks is doing. <laughs> Again, I don't know if that was – I rarely I
0: rarely know what Scott Brooks is doing. I don't know.
1: They, they, might, they may have legitimately been tanking. Like, the way they played against Boston compared to the way they played against Indiana, like – it, it, like coaching, Beal, Westbrook, Rui, like everyone played. I mean, Bradley Beal,
0: Bradley Beal was playing like it was, uh, like it was a December, the <laughs> December game, yo, on, a, on, a, on like a on a on a Tuesday. It was on. A Tuesday. may have a
1: say we ain't gonna play Brooklyn
0: until the longest last minute possible. And it's hard to imagine Russ ever being a part of that. But when you watch how they played, it's like, I mean, maybe. What was
1: wrong with Russ? Like, that's what's so crazy about it. And then for him to play so great against Indiana, I mean, I don't think Indiana is that much worse than the Celtics. Like, And the the issue that I was going to bring up is, like, I have to imagine that Brooklyn is going to just give Tatum the curry treatment. Right. That's what I'm expecting, too. That's the situation that he's in, where – now, I mean, look, you got to, I mean, you have to give some respect to Kemba Walker, but like,
0: they, I think initially you have to at least make Kemba and Smart beat me. To me, Kemba is is actually because I agree that that's how they're gonna treat Tatum, and I think that that's why I think Kemba's the most important player in this series. Because Kemba, you know, it looked like he turned back the clock a little bit in that, that that game against the Wizards. It wasn't necessarily like. The, you know, the wasn't you
1: vintage know. Kemba, yeah. Well, yeah. It wasn't the
0: vintage patented Kemba, but it was a very good, you know, Kemba.
1: cooking, dancing in the isolation. Right. But it was a very yeah, so good Kemba. But we'll even that,
0: down. even that version of him is could be very effective against the Nets because they got to get team. The teams that don't make Kyrie guard are dead on arrival, like right. And it's not that Kyrie's even a bad defender, but he's so on one offensively that if he can be that comfortable and he don't got to guard nobody. And he, other, he's never facing double teams he's got two other all-stars out there. I mean, again, you're you're dead on arrival. So the fact that, you know, okay, we know one of the guys, is gonna, well, Jeff Green's going to be guarding a lot of Tatum. But there will be times where it's going to be Durant uh, and maybe even Harden at times. So we know those guys are going to have to work at some point. If Kyrie plays the Kemba we saw most of the year and he don't really got to worry about him, then, again, it's a just a sweep and a non-competitive sweep. If, if Kemba plays the way he did against the, the Wizards— Maybe maybe you do see them compete a little bit. But that's that's the minimum. Like, Kenba has to play that good. If he plays anything less than that, we're talking about four games, every game they're getting beat by at least double digits. That's how I see this series. I think that the Celtics Tatum, are badly undermanned in this series. Yeah, Tatum can't have a
1: baggie. Like He can't even have an average game. Like, he's got to go. He's got to get 30 for them
0: to even be in the game. Yeah. But like, he's got to get 30. Yeah, the, only, the, only guess, wins, the only wins they have they will have in the series is when he scores above 30 points. Yeah. There so won't be a game where he has twenty two and they won. That's not gonna happen.
1: I just yeah, that, that that's the that I don't see and that's 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 not like if Jalen Brown was there, I wouldn't have to say that. I can say, look, right, if Jalen yeah. Brown had thirty eight, maybe right, they yeah. found a way to win. I don't know. But like without Brown, I, I just can't see Kemba going for thirty. I can't see Smart going for thirty. I can't see anyone else on this roster. Picking up the slack and getting going for twenty consistently, like you know, Fournier has been. I know he's dealt with a lot of a lot of COVID issues since he got traded, um, but I mean he hasn't been able to con- consistently give them the offensive output. Peyton Pritchard is, you know, he's hot and cold. <laughs> you know, he may have a he may have one game in the series where he goes off, but you're not going to expect that consistently. They don't have any other offensive any other offensive weapons, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's very possible this is a four game series. It's very possible. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, 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 like, I have a, this as a sweep. Yeah, I can see that. You know, I think they, I think they steal one. Um, I, you know, I, I, think Tatum's gonna have a game where he does have. Uh, he has another forty five, fifty point game. He's had three 50 point games this season. Um, you know, I think if if he has one of those games. You know, then someone on the Nets is gonna have to, or the Nets are just gonna have to score 140. Like they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to play excellent basketball. To me, like the coaching thing is the only reason why I think this could be a series. Like, and, and whatever that means, a series. Like, why, why it may not be a sweep, and a lot of these games may be close because Brad Stevens, I still give him the coaching advantage against Steve Nash, as well as as much as the Nets have a an, ex, an excellent coaching staff. Steve Nash doesn't have the experience of the coach in the playoffs and at times this season has looked like a rookie head coach. Mm -hmm. And so while this has been Brad Stevens' worst season as a head coach in the NBA, no doubt, he, I mean, as a lot of people like to acknowledge is most comfortable in this underdog role, coaching with his back against the wall, coaching with inferior talent, Let's see
0: what he's got. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, we're going to have to learn one way or another. This is indeed where he's most comfortable and he's able to do something because this is as tough as it gets in terms of a challenge. Um, I do want to talk about uh, the number one seed in this uh, conference, the Philadelphia 76ers, and their matchup with now the, the newly minted A seed, the Wizards. Um, this is a weird series to me. It's weird because we have a lot of respect for, I don't know know if we have a lot of respect, but at least we we acknowledge the the clear star power the Wizards have with Westbrook and with Bradley Beal. And they certainly showed against the Indiana Pacers, who were on 1-2-3 Cancun in that last game, that if a team doesn't come out ready, those guys can really hurt you. And the Wizards have had the second-best record in the East, since you know, like April 6th, April 7th. The only other team with a better record is the Knicks. So they've played great basketball. And they seem to have found their niche in regards to the rotation of players. Though, again, Scott Brooks can be a little weird. But Daniel Gafford has come in and played a really, uh, really good basketball. Uh, Robert Lopez, Robin Lopez has played well. They've been starting uh, Raul Neto, which seems weird to me. But... Um, Having their secondary ball handler out there with Russell Westbrook has been a decent, um, you know, a pretty good match. So they come into this series against Philly. And I think with, you know, obviously they have house money. And I think we think that Philly is by far the better team. But kind of like we talked about that, to me, th- this series is kind of what the Nets Celtics series should be if Jalen Brown's out there. It's this idea that while this team is clearly inferior, like... They have two guys where could they conceivably play better than Embiid in a game or two? And it's like, yeah, possibly. But is that enough to really make it a series? And could the Sixers even win if one of those guys outplays Embiid? And that answer is also yes. So (laughs) that's kind of ends up being the problem, I think, for for Philly. But Washington will have the bigs to throw at them. I mean, they play three big men regularly. They play Len. They play Gafford. They play Lopez. So, they'll have the fouls. They'll have the... Um, not that you want to put a beat on the line, but you'll you'll be able to to waste the bodies on him. So, in some ways, they're maybe better equipped than most teams to go up and see guy maybe they'll have fresh guys to throw at him. But uh, do you see Washington having any chance to compete here? Do I see Washington having any chance to compete
1: against Philly? Um... Honestly, I don't. And, I mean, do I think that they have. I think they could do what, you know, the Celtics could do, which is, you know, maybe able we'll win a game. I think these, some of these games could be close. But I just feel like, I mean, we saw Christian Thompson be a problem for Philly at times. I mean, for Washington at times in that game uh, a couple of nights ago. Yeah. Um, I just feel like Joel Embiid is going to be way way too dominant for this team to con- to consistently, um, and this team is going to is going to be way way more dynamic offensively than Indiana or Boston were, and I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to consistently be uh, get stops against this Philly team. Um, Russ, uh, <laughs> I mean, are you putting
0: Simmons on Russ? It feels like, I mean, whoever the yeah, putting I, in, I, I would. Like, and, yeah, you know. I, I'm putting I'm putting Seth Curry on, uh, Neto. I actually wonder if they should get out of that lineup, um, and just uh, and, and just go with Russ and Beal and Bagler because to me Neto actually really helps Philly because normally you know and, and Philly knows that very well. It's very <laughs> it's, it's been a long time since Neto has uh, been a been a help to Philly. That that is that is true. But um, <laughs> but like. Neto, like Seth Curry has played excellent defense this season for who he is as a defender. But of the five guys that put him out there, he's the guy a lot of times you're going to want to hide out of the guys they have. And most of the time, it's a little bit tricky. It's very easy against a team like the Wizards if they're playing Neto out there because you can just put them on him. Um, I wonder if you'll see a difference in the lineup because of that. I don't know. It's not that Nettle's a terrible player, but I think you want Seth Curry guarding Russell Westbrook or Bradley Beal. You know, I think you want to put him in that like right. pressure cooker, but because they lost uh, they lost um, um, Denny, and they don't really have a true three man. I don't know if they have yeah, a true, like chance channel. Like, yeah, it's like who else are you putting out there? And you'll probably put Curry on Hutchinson. You're not worried about that. So, yeah. so in some ways, that's kind of that's kind of makes Washington a bad matchup for them. Uh, if they had a real three man, this would be different. Like Philly's got guys, I feel like they can throw on Beal. You know, Danny Green will be able to do the job. Yeah. Um, Thibel, like it's yeah, gonna Thiebel's be... an excellent defender. He'll get he'll probably get Beal and Russ at different times. Yeah, and, and I feel like he'll probably play more minutes in this series than he may play the rest of the playoffs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's either it's going to be two guys that just either just going to say go take him out of the yeah. go take him out of the of the of the series uh so we're gonna take him out of the game so yeah i don't know it's gonna to be tough I yeah mean, if russ a, played spectacular russ is a is a is an excellent player so he may be able to do something superhuman that i'm not expecting but um i just think the onus on russ when i look i think beale is a much better player but like it's similar to like the poor thing is Doncic thing where it's like I mean I know Doncic. I know what he's going to give me. Um yeah, and, and like I feel like a lot of his success is going to be based on yeah. some of what Well, thinking.
0: well, look, like to me, like the Wizards season tells you what this team is about. Bradley Beal scoring a million points all season when they yeah, were losing nothing, a million nothing. games. It didn't matter at all. The no. season only changed when Russell Westbrook turned into uh, uh, like a like basically the OKC Russell Westbrook. Um, yeah. When that happened, that's when Washington started winning games. If he's anything less than that, then they're dead on arrival. They have no chance to even compete because Bradley Bill can score a million points, but with the the other guys they have on the team, the lack of firepower, it just doesn't. And Bradley Beal really not anything. score a million points, and they still win games if Russell Westbrook plays well. Right, because yeah. Russell Westbrook impacts. So many aspects of of the of the game, yeah. Other than scoring, so that's so so because he gets so many other guys involved with his uh, with his passing. So he's the key. But I, and in many ways, I feel like Ben Simmons is his worst nightmare. He's had problems with him this season, and it's a terrible matchup because Simmons is six ten, and Russ is a unreliable shooter, to put it kindly. So Simmons can play off of him. He can play his drives. He's stronger than him most of the time. Russ has. The size advantage and the strength advantage. He's probably just as athletic as him at this point or close to it. I, I don't know how Russ does well against Ben Simmons, unless he shoots the ball extremely well. Because Simmons will give him the space. But Russ hasn't shot even in the stretch. I don't he's not a jump shooter. That's not that's not who he is. There's a time where maybe he made those shots more consistently. He's that's not really his game anymore. So He's gonna make it twenty rebounds, EJ. I mean <laughs> he can get all the rebounds he wants. and I'll be honest, I don't know if he's getting all the rebounds with Embiid out there, like uh, and so. You, yeah, and Simmons. So this is I. I just think uh, Washington they may have wanted Philly if that's true, but I, I mean I don't think that this is going to be a good look for them. I think that they're going to get walloped. I think they may get one game, but uh, I'll give them one. But I think that Philly Philly wins in no more than five. Yeah, uh I would I would agree with that. Um Bucks Heat. Um, in many ways I think this is the probably the most interesting series in the Eastern Conference. I don't think there's any more pressure on any
1: player in the league than there is on Giannis in this series. And nobody's talking
0: about this series, but
1: um
0: on so a, on that that though, but when you say that, that's the case, And is there really pressure on it? <laughs> and I I know that's fascinating to think about it. At least there should be. <laughs> i agree there should be like because, i mean yeah.
1: look is there there's always gonna be pressure on lebron from a, from just a I guess yeah. o- the only guy he's the only guy anybody talks about he's chasing
0: ghost. so yeah
1: yeah but like in terms of if they don't now the close second i think is paul george but mm-hmm. if if Giannis does not play well and they don't win this series Our entire opinion of him as a player is going to be shaped by what happened. I think he's the only player in this in in the in the the playoffs that we could say that about. Yes, this one series. I mean, of course, like even even the guys in Brooklyn, like I mean, look again, we're not gonna lose to Boston, but like you know, like even if even if they didn't play well, like it's like you know, I mean, these guys have rings. I mean, Harden, I guess, but like
0: you know. He's also playing with Durant and Kyrie, so he's not going to get all. The I way. think there's, I think there's some aspect that like the Nets have been hurt all season. They haven't played together. Maybe one of these guys get hurt again. Like I think there's some, I there's think there's some, something <laughs> in our head that like somehow this may still not work out because of how everything's gone this year. Right. So I but think that even even they don't have the pressure that maybe they would normally would have.
1: This like, and I think Philly also has some pressure as well, but. Like, I mean, Doc Rivers. I think with
0: Philly, it's more about like, like y'all better not choke this away and not get to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's I think, which is a different kind of pressure than this. Because to me, what makes this so pressure packed is the degree of difficulty is is extremely high. That's why this is hard for me because he has all the pressure and a hellacious matchup.
1: (laughs) So we had pointed out, EJ. Yeah, you want to know? I you may have seen this stat but you want to know a very, very interesting stat about the Miami Heat is Jimmy Butler has played... The Miami Heat have, have played the Sixers, Nets, and Bucks combined nine times, three times each. Jimmy Butler has only played one of those nine games. It was against Philly, and they won. Interesting. They, he hasn't played in any of those other games. And... I mean, look—he's the best
0: player on the team, so. I'll be, like, I'll, I'll I'll go for that further. I know he's dealt with he has dealt with legitimate injuries and COVID. And I don't know if he had COVID, but there have been he's been out for a lot of. You did have he did have COVID, yes. Right. Well, I mean, health and safety protocols. Yeah, my my yeah, even if he didn't have COVID, he had to sit out for a bunch of games. <laughs> let, me, let me let me let me not get sued. <laughs> for, right. On um. I wonder if there was some design to that. If you oh, Oh, one hundred percent. There's got to be right. Yeah, this is a very veteran team. They were in the NBA Finals last year, so it's not like they need to prove anything. They don't need to know. They don't need the reps against the Nets. No. Like, they don't, like, we know who the Nets are. It's better if they don't know who we are. (laughs) Yeah. Like, the tape is there, but if they don't feel us, that's different. We will feel their their full strength when we're playing even down a guy or two. And, in fact, these other guys are going to have to make big plays if we have any chance to beat those guys. So it's good they're getting thrown in this fire without Jimmy. Like Jimmy don't need to play against those guys. He played in those guys his entire career. So yeah, I I I, they, I think that 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 actually puts them at a very interesting competitive advantage. maybe we say okay, they've lost a lot of those games, but in their heads they're like, "Well, we didn't have our best guy who went toe to toe with LeBron for most of that yeah, season." Yeah, they just talked those up too. And outplayed yeah, Tatum and 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 Giannis. So
1: so from a mental perspective, like Boston is going into that Brooklyn series thinking Man, we we haven't even been close to beating these guys all right. season. <laughs> like if we don't have Jalen Brown, like it's over. <laughs> you know, yeah. from a mental perspective, I mean, Brasi even admitted it. <laughs> yeah, and the well, Heat the, and the Heat
0: are like we've competed with those teams without our guy, and yeah, we're the exactly. reigning Eastern Conference Finals champions. We
1: beat these guys last year at full strength. Right. We haven't played any of these teams at full strength. The only time we did, we, we beat the, the the number one seed. They're not. They're not worried. From a mental perspective, about this matchup, the the Bucks are the team that have the pressure on them. It's not the Miami Heat. They they're playing with complete house money, and like you said, from a matchup's perspective, they've already proven last season that I mean, this is a different team that that they are a, a tough matchup for the Miami So, yeah, you know, I mean, this is this is gonna be tough. Um, I think we're gonna learn a lot about Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, we're gonna learn a lot about Mike Budenholzer as a coach. Um, the big piece is gonna be Drew Holiday and his 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 addition to the series that they did not have last season. Um, I I feel like those guys that were able to go off, some of those guys that were able to go off, Tyler Hero, for example. Uh, I mean, look, I mean. As well as he played, like you know, I mean, he didn't, he hasn't played well this season, obviously. But like as well as he played last year, I mean, he, I mean, he gave Marcus Smart work in the Eastern Conference Finals. So me saying Drew Holiday, you know, being out there may not matter, but um, he has not played well this season. Um, like that's gonna, that's gonna be a big factor. Um, but we also know that he, he has demonstrated he's somebody that is um,
0: built for clutch situations and and he's capable of just going on a tear like we've seen even in this season and we say i mean we say he hasn't played well he's played i think he hasn't lived up to like the expectation after what he did last year the percentages Um, have have been shaking he's shooting 43 percent like it's not it's not terrible like he's he's played okay it just hasn't been any there hasn't been the growth maybe you would expect where you expect okay you did what you did last year next season these numbers will come up he he's plateaued this season. I'd agree, but he's still shown that he can have major games. I've seen him have those big games, and he's definitely obviously shown he can do that in the playoffs. So that's where there is concern. Like again, the degree of difficulty is is high, and what I've said all season and why this series is so interesting is they got they got Holiday, who's a major upgrade from what they had. But I still don't feel like he really solved any of the most of the issues they had in that series with with the Heat. Yes, they had issues guarding some of those guys, but it wasn't necessarily their defense that was failing them. Like it was late-game offensive execution, and yes. what they lacked was true floor leadership. I mean, Drew Holiday. I mean, it, it, almost anybody's a, a upgrade over Eric Bledsoe in that regard. But I don't. Again, no, I don't think that Drew Holiday, as a floor leader, a floor general guy who gets guys easy shots per se, he's a very good guard. But that's not the kind of guard I think of him as. So. For me, it's going to be more of they're going to kind of be the same team. It's going to be can those other guys really make more plays and make more shots? And maybe they will. Those other guys weren't ready for prime time last year. You know, Middleton seemed to be like the only guy that had any kind of you know sense in those games. But even he didn't play maybe as well in some of the games that when the series really was in the balance, when it was you know 2 He had a great right. game in game four, but when Giannis went out, but you know that by the time the series was over. Like all those guys ready earlier on, I think they will be. I think this is gonna be a, a much more competitive series than last year. I think that this is gonna go probably six or seven games. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Bucks get over the hump. I think the Heat. I think that I think the Heat and Lakers are both gonna learn a. They're gonna learn that man. Like doing what they tried to do this year. Some of it wasn't necessarily trying. Like, the Lakers weren't trying. Now Lebron out for all this time or AD out, but. <laughs> So, so let me rephrase that. Some of what occurred this season, in part due to the short turnaround, it's not this idea that you could try to just get right for the postseason and then you're just going to be able to turn it on. Like, I think that those teams are going to learn that that's just not going to be the case this year and why I think they both get knocked out of the first round. Um, I'm going to...
1: It's, it's it's tough. I, I, I it's I a tough know. series. This is, this might be the toughest one, I think. Yeah, I think this is the closest these this this might be the closest series. Milwaukee, I think, might actually be a better team than they were last year. Um I like I like what Brent Forbes is giving them. Yeah, that was uh, a good pickup. I like what uh Portis Bobby is giving them. Portis has played yeah. well, yeah. Like Portis has played well, like like losing Bledsoe, George Hill. Wesley Matthews, like I don't think they're feeling those
0: losses. Much. Nope, I think, they, I, think no, they, I don't think anybody that was not on the team last year they lost. I don't think they care about any of those guys.
1: Yeah, I think it's a lot of it's been addition by subtraction, especially mm-hmm. in in this playoff environment. They may have younger guys out there, but I actually think that they are going to be helped by that in some way, in some ways. Um, but it's still tough, man. I, I, as much as the others are going to help, I, it still comes down to Giannis Antetokounmpo, and if he doesn't if he doesn't dominate you mentioned in those late game situations it's going to be it's it's not going to be it's not going to be a cakewalk
0: for this team um i feel like one advantage the bucks have is i feel like even though their team hasn't always played the best compared to what they played last season they they seem to be one of the most least disrupted teams by injury or covid of any team yeah. Yeah. Like, had a pretty, Giannis uh, really missed the most time of the guys in their rotation. And even he only missed eleven games. There you go. Yeah. I mean, well, Drew Holly missed some, he missed a little more games. He missed, I guess, thirteen. But <laughs> which, not is, which, which is good for him. Yeah. Like that that's all he lost and that's really good. Like I think that some of these other teams had these massive disruptions. This team has had those guys playing almost every day together and they've I think been able to work through some of their issues throughout the season, so I think that's going to help them a lot. I think they're I already think a Trevor team that's pretty well put together. Um, he's
1: played excellent since he's since he came over, especially who, the last couple. Of
0: days. Who who played excellent?
1: Uh, Trevor Ariza. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I imagine he's going to get some of the. He may get some of the Giannis assignment. That's going to be mostly Bam, but you'll also get a lot of the Middleton assignment. Um, and that's gonna be important. Like he's their Jay Crowder this season. So, and he's he's done the Jay Crowder thing excellent, excellently. Um, especially from from a shooting perspective. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Miami. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Miami in the upset. I think Jimmy Butler plays plays great. I think Bam does a good job on Giannis. And again, late late game situations. I, I mean, it's a lot to ask for this Heat team to repeat what they did last season. A lot it seemed like it felt like an anomaly, but um, we also have to remember that Kendrick Nunn's playing good basketball.
0: Yes, he is. This is different he's than not. last year.
1: Yeah. So that gives them. Even though Gordon Dragic has been playing at the high level he's playing, like Gordon, Kendrick Nunn playing a little bit better actually helps them. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Heat in a six or seven game series. I'll probably, I'm sorry, I'll say seven. Because I think it'll be closer, but it uh, could be six as well.
0: We got the Knicks and the Hawks in the four or five matchup. New York with home court advantage. Uh, I obviously the New York Knicks fans are on one right now. Super excited, super ready. Um, the Hawks also have not been in the postseason for a little bit now. I think 2017 was the last time they were in the playoffs. So there's a lot of excitement with the Hawks uh, in their in their run. I love this matchup um, in terms of just basketball fandom. I mean, I'm a Knicks fan, so I'm, I'm nervous about it. But I love it from just a pure standpoint because this is, to me, like, your ultimate uh, clash of styles. You have a team in the Hawks who are a young team who have embraced the new age of basketball as much as any team in the NBA, given where their front office philosophy has come from, where their basketball has come he, franchise come from though they've had to insert some old school with Nate McMillan to kind of balance out what they've been trying to do and they've really righted their ship and had a great second half of the season um then you got the Knicks who uh are the only team who plays like a team from like 2005 and they and it seems like regardless of who they play they find a way to get you in that kind of game like their identity is as obvious and as pure and as real as really any team in the NBA and it it completely clashes with how Atlanta wants to play so this is really going to be all about who can who can who can set the pace and set the tone um, throughout the series and impose their will and I think that it's hard to really say who that is the Hawks I think have more talent than the Knicks on paper but the Knicks seem to have such a great attention to detail to how they play they're going to be a they're just not going to be fun for anybody that has to play them. And I right now, I feel like the Knicks have a good shot to win this series because it feels like this is the kind of series where the Hawks may have to learn like what playoff basketball is about. And not to say that the Knicks know anything about it. They do, they don't. Um, only Rose <laughs> and only Rose and Todd Gibson have any like legit playoff experience. You no, know, Noel has been in the playoffs. He was in the playoffs last year. But a lot of these other guys have very like – middling playoff experience and success but though i think they'll be able to lean once the game is called how it's called and they realize it's different the knicks will be able to lean back into their style and say okay we can play our style and win where the hawks may look and say this is a little different than how we're used to playing and what do we do if things get tough and the knicks have home court so i i i'm, I'm leaning the knicks but this is going to be a really good series because the Hawks have so much offensive firepower, and I think it's essential that the Knicks do not get down. Uh, do not they protect home court? I think that if the Hawks are able to get one of these first few games, winning in Atlanta when the Hawks can be more comfortable, more in their zone, and the Highlight Factory is like a very much a kind of a, a front runners paradise. You know, for the Hawks, has been that way for a long time. It, it, you don't want to go down there having to get a game, I think. So I, I think this very well could be one of those series where all the home teams win throughout. Like, I, that's what I think will probably happen. But, um, I can't wait. I think this is going to be a really good series. Um, yeah, I mean, this series is,
1: is one that, you know, these are two teams that I'm certainly not, uh, not rooting for. Um, so, you know, it's going to be it's
0: going to be an interesting uh, viewing experience. But as T O um, as, T. O, as T. O once said, they hate to love me. Yes. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's how that's how that's how we Nick fans feel right now. Y'all hate <laughs> to love us. They hate to love me. I mean,
1: I feel like for the Hawks, the key is just going to be trying to contain <laughs> Julius Randle. Um and I mean, look, DeAndre Hunter and John Collins are going to have a lot of that, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the time on Randall. And though they're probably two pretty decent guys to guard him, um, I, to me, I just, I, I feel like the Hawks, the Hawks, control their own destiny in this series to some extent, as well as the Knicks play defensively. If the Hawks can make shots like and if which they have guys obviously that can that can really
0: shoot it it's just this is a different situation um it's different Um, different, guys aren't consistent yeah different atmosphere different pressure and you're talking about the number one uh three-point defense in the nba so exactly the looks you may get against the pistons and you know the you know the the kings you're not going to get against the knicks yeah and that's what scares me about this Hawks team is that
1: they don't have many guys that can go get theirs. Um, you know, Bogdanovich can do it to to an extent, um, but I don't really want him relying on that. Obviously, Trey Young can can do that, um, and he's gonna have to play well. And we'll see how he plays in this series. This is a, this is a huge, is a huge moment for him.
0: Um, And I I think that it's going to be, you know, I saw someone who covers the Hawks talk about it recently. I think it was on, um, I think the the putback on SNY, shout out to Chris Williamson, uh, Ian Bagley. I feel like the Hawks, it's going to be imperative that Trey Young really zeroes in on making sure he's getting the other guys involved. What I've seen from young guards sometimes in these playoffs in their first time, they tend to feel like they got to force the issue in looking for their shot and looking for um, their own offense to kind of get in the rhythm early because the the surroundings are so different and so unique. We've seen Russell Westbrook. We've seen him getting that problem like last year. But we've seen him definitely get that problem early in his career. We've seen a lot of young guards get into that problem. Like for Trey Young, I think the, the evolution in his game has been – he's always been a great passer. But I think him understanding that his passing is actually the best part of his game even more so than his shooting. Like, I think he needs to stay in that bag because, like you said, those other guys, they're very good offensive players, but they're kind of good in situational situations. Yes. That's a t- terrible term, but you know what I'm saying. Like, they're very good situationally offensively. They're not necessarily giving the ball and they'll figure it out. They're good in action. They're good in catch and shoot. They're good in transition. But they're not go-get-me-bucket kind of guys. Trey orchestrates everything for everybody. So in this series, I think he, he's going to have to really be patient in saying, I know I can get my shot on – I know I can get my shots. I'm a great player, but I need to be able to make sure these other guys are getting fed and getting in rhythm early and often against a very tough defense because if they're out of rhythm and he's just searching for his own shot, that I think that's where they could really fall into trouble. I'm curious to see how uh,
1: how Lou Williams plays as well. Um because he is the one guy on this team that does have that, yeah, that really yes. to go get
0: his own shot, and that's going to be important for him. Because you know, if Trey Young doesn't play well, yeah, will. and, and I'm, I'm, for him psychologically, I mean, we saw he had a you know it's a miserable time in the bubble. I think that time carried over into the season, and he was talking about he's going to retire. Then, then he, he wanted to pay. retire, and then he decided, oh, I want to take advantage of this opportunity playing for my city. He's gotten Atlanta. He's had some good moments, but he's not played all that great. Yeah. Uh, so, so, I mean, to right. him, if, if for me, I, what I've learned with Lou is that he's definitely a guy where his mental approach maybe means a lot more than I would have thought. Like, he seems to be a very carefree player. So, I, like, I, I, to me, I feel like I've seen him for a calendar year just not look right mentally. So right. what's his approach to this series where the other team is going to be playing like it's do or die? Because the city is so behind them. There's so much momentum and so much goodwill. Like, you know, Lou Will was trying to play win for win the championship. Now he's yeah. playing for a team that's like they are kinda of just happy to be here. I mean, I feel like if you're the Hawks, that's how you feel about this. Like, yeah. and it's not to say that, you know, they're not gonna try to win, but with New York and just like where the energy is with the the franchise, I think this is this feels like life or death, you know? I don't think it feels like that for the Hawks fans or the Hawks team. I think this is a, wow, great step for a young team that's heading in the right direction. Both teams in some ways are kind of similar, but just the energy around the organizations are different because of what this means for each team. For the Knicks, I think it means everything. I think for the Hawks, it doesn't really mean that much. I think he's getting here. was what mattered. So for him, not being in that mindset of playing for a championship, is he all there? Like, we know talent-wise he can be a, a very dangerous player and a tough player for the Knicks to handle in this series. But if he's not in that mental space, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he checks out most of this series because I've seen him do it this season. That's all him am doing in the playoffs last year. That was when he was playing for a contender. Yeah. Now, I think the key
1: for the Knicks, well, Randall's going to go off. He's, he's going to dominate. I mean, he's, he's a great player. Um, I think... R.J. Barrett is going to have a really nice matchup in this in this series. I mean, assuming, like, I mean, look, look, DeAndre Hunter is just on him. It won't be a very nice matchup for R.J. Barrett. But if he has a lot of time where Herter and Bogdanovich are trying to check him, that'll help him. Um, and if he
0: plays really well, yeah. the even, tend to play Even really Cam well. Reddish, who, who, is, who is actually a pretty good young defender, but I mean, he's very comfortable against Cam Reddish. That's the guy who we win against a lot. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's not gonna scare him. Um, like that, like
1: when R.J. Barrett plays well, the Knicks tend to play well. They can win without him yeah. playing well, but
0: uh, it's gonna be a lot yeah. easier when, for them. Yeah, when play. he's playing really well, they're a very tough team to beat. Yes, yes, and and
1: he's erratic, you know, at times. Yes, like, yes, yes. You know, so we'll we'll see how that moment. We talk about a young player like. Like, this is going to be his first playoff game. And we've seen R.J. Barrett throughout his career um, force the issue sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if he plays within himself. And when he does, he's he's a dynamic player. Um, so it'll be similar similar kind of thing with Trey Young, where you're going to have to watch it on both sides. Um, but Randall has to be the engine that stirs, or the straw that stirs the drain, the engine that, 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 that runs the car here. Um, he's... Um, and as long as as long as he if he's giving you you know 25 and 10 it's 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 going to be tough it's going to be tough for the hawks I, I
0: almost feel like to me even more than randall and and i mean barrett is a big x factor but i think he may be second to me to even to derek rose because the right. the, the, the the hawks are going to the Knicks are a great defensive team but the hawks are going to have games where they score a lot of points it's just, yeah your defense is not gonna be perfect. they are gonna be games where they score. like one and the Knicks are gonna win a the series, they're gonna to have to win one or two of those games. And the Knicks have become a much better offensive team as the year has progressed. And the major the, the what makes them what go with them from them going from a below average offensive team to a above average offensive team is Derrick Rose. If Derrick Rose is playing at a high level, they go from below average to above average. And above average, with their defense, beats a lot of teams. And they're going to need him playing at that, uh, you know, six-man-of-the-year level, which is where he's been, you know, he's one of the finalists for the award this year. Uh, I think he's going to be super crucial. Because just like you said, R.J. Barrett is going to have some favorable matchups. Derrick Rose is going to have a lot of favorable matchups. I don't see anybody on the Hawks roster that I feel like can guard Derrick Rose. So, I mean, to me, he's, he should be averaging 16, 17 points in this series. At least. Like, and they're going to need him to score like that. And when I talked about LeBron going up against Phoenix,
1: or LeBron, historically, when he goes up against other teams and he looks at these guys, the the young, the younger guys, like, Derrick Rose isn't going to be scared of anybody. No, at not at all. Yeah. He's going to look at every single one of them and say, I'm, That's baby I'm Derrick Rose. Yeah. Like, none of these guys are on my level. Like, yeah, right. Trey's a nice young player. John Collins is a nice young player, but I'm Derrick Rose. Like, you know, and he, he, talking about – I mean, Derrick Rose is a guy where his confidence has obviously been in and out at times in his career uh, post-injury, like, and it's been at an all-time high this season. Like, going up against – if you, I mean, if you, if you had to see Kyrie and James Harden and Durant for a series, like, I don't know if he would have looked at it and said, I'm Derrick Rose. Like, I mean, it's tough. Kyrie's hitting crazy shots and doing crazy stuff like this gonna take anybody's confidence i've seen you know i've seen that happen to a lot of guards that that are you know scrappy or um mm-hmm. sometimes I play with a lot of confidence they could have that ripped away by a, a great other point guard maybe trey young is that guy but i don't think he's gonna be scared of Trey young I think he's gonna be very very confident and again defensively he's not gonna be able to present any challenge for that role. so the key or the question is just gonna be the the, the capella room protection. You know, will, how well can Derrick Rose play um, with Capella in the paint? And Capella's obviously one of the best rebounders in the NBA. How does how does that impact um, the game? You know, look, I love. Mean, that.
0: If you're gonna talk about Capella's defense, we gotta talk about Noel, who like New leads the box. Exactly. Um, you no, know, he's played great. I also feel like this is a game of second units. Like, like to me, you know, the Knicks' second unit has been a real strength of the team, especially when they've been at full strength. But I think it's also just the one that the the Hawks have one of the best benches in the league. So that's going to be key too, because you're coming in with Lou Williams, you're coming in with Herter, Gal Nari, those guys can, those guys can really hurt you. Like, and the Knicks have guys quickly. And, and and Alec Burks, who's had a great season and it seems like he always plays well when he's healthy. He's had issues with COVID and, ankle and other things um obi Toppin's starting to come along i i think this is also gonna be a series with the with a with a second unit is gonna be crucial because both teams basically play 10 guys like and i think you know i know Thibodeau is kind of notorious for shortening rotations but i don't i don't know how much that's gonna happen like i mean it will happen a little bit i think he'll probably lean on randall and rj probably more i mean he's leaning on a hell of a lot already but I think they'll probably play almost 40 minutes every night. But I think that those other guys will get time and significant time. And what we've seen from the Knicks is, you know, they have a starter in Peyton who almost isn't a starter because he starts the game and then he plays very very little minutes the rest of the way. So bench play is going to be crucial in this series for both teams. Um, I'm leaning Knicks, like I said, I think it's going to be 7. I think it's going to be... A home. I think home court advantage is the difference. I think these things are razor close, uh, but this is also going to be a very fun series to watch. Where are you leaning on this one? Um. Hmm.
1: This is a tough one, man. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Hawks in seven. I think wow. Nate McMillan, man. Uh, first of all, he's got to get contract extension. Um, uh, they kind of <laughs> around. That man's trying to get paid. I don't know what. I don't know, Travis Flank's kinda of sleeping and hasn't said anything, haven't done anything about any Nate McMillan contract. But um but yeah, you know, I this 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 is going to be a very close series. You're talking about, in my opinion, the most interesting, most fun coaching matchup with Tom Thibodeau versus Nate McMillan because like you said, it's kind of a throwback. Yes. Um you know, These are two
0: guys who these are two guys who know each other very well and coach together on team USA. There you go. Yes. And the, yes, the, the, the,
1: um, with Mike D'Antoni, right? And yeah. my coach K. Um, so yeah, you know I mean? That's going to be, uh, that's going to be <laughs> an interesting series, uh, or an interesting coaching matchup to, to follow. But yeah, I just, I feel like a lot of it is going to come down to the Atlanta Hawks and how well can Trey Young play. As and, much as that
0: pains me as a Knicks fan, I, I really do agree with that. I think the series does come down to the Hawks. Well,
1: the Knicks may be able to scheme up something that just, you know, takes him out of it. And if he is, like, Hawks have zero.
0: This is going to be a very quick series
1: if Trey Young doesn't play well. But, I mean, I think Trey Young's a very good player. So, I, I, you know, it may not be as
0: easy as, 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 as we think. Frank Nilakina may be a guy that has to play a lot of minutes. Um, I, I've, t- I've said multiple times I think that Frank Nilakina should start. I think that with Payton doesn't give them anything. And not that, like, Frank isn't a good point guard, but at least he can defend. Yeah. And just let Julius Randle and RJ orchestrate the offense for the first five minutes before Rose comes in. if, they, if Like, I, I understand why they want Rose come off the bench. I'm not really fighting about that. I even understand why quickly coming off the bench. To me, Peyton doesn't provide anything. So what's the point in keeping them out there? So I, I think, I mean, Young normally kills Eric Pay- L for Peyton, and I'm kind of scared he's going to do it again. But, uh, but I agree. I feel like this series is mostly about the Hawks. And I just get the feeling that in the playoffs, usually the team that uh, executes their game plan the best and the team that pays attention to the details of their game plan and adjusts from game to game, the best wins. I, I, it would shock me if the Hawks are more prepared and pay attention better to the detail than the Knicks do for seven games. That would surprise me. They are... More talented team. They had better players individually. But if they were able to do that, I would be really surprised. So knowing that, that that's how I believe playoff basketball is won, I think that's why the Knicks will have the advantage. Uh, let's do NBA Finals pick, Kendall. So who you got coming out of the East and West, and who's winning it all? Um,
1: Oh, man. NBA Finals. Uh... I'm going to say the Nets come out of the East and the. In the West, I'm going to say that it is going to be the Clippers, which is going to be uh, not a fun series to follow, but. Uh, <laughs> I think I mean, that would be, be, be great I disagree I think that would be a great it would be, it'd be not fun if like you know you
0: know you I, to, I mean I think the Nets teams. I think, I think <laughs> if you don't want to see the Nets win the championship I think that's the team that has the best chance to beat them yes so, Um I think that would be great I for the NBA I, I'm going I'm, I'm going to
1: say that the e Clippers win the championship
0: wow you think they do yeah, win the they championship
1: they do then Ty Lue um what proves you wrong <laughs> Yeah. I was not. I was. I was not yeah. high on that hire. Um, but yeah, no. Kawhi. I think Kawhi gets his second or second since he left San Antonio. Um, and I think they get one. Now, with that being said, I also think it's very, very possible that the Clippers lose to the Dallas Mavericks. So I like. It's That's not the thing good. about a lot of these finals contenders lose. Like, I'm not filling out a March Madness bracket. Like, if I was filling out a March Madness bracket, I, I'm no way i am I picking the Clippers to win a championship because. They lose in the first
0: round. That's, that's what's so crazy about this <laughs> playoff bracket, though. Is I feel like, besides the Nets and the Sixers, I feel like every team could lose in the first round that I think could win a championship. Yeah, it's pretty Every nice. single one. So, like, it's like, and, and the big thing, I mean, the Nets and Sixers are legitimately great teams. Like, I, I no, don't know how it, I don't it, it, it's all year. I'm going to go
1: Nets over Jazz. What? I, what? Where yeah. did that come from? Uh, Just going through, I mean, you, you put me on the spot. We, hadn't, we haven't talked about the Jazz
0: all, all show. So I almost, like, I don't, I don't we don't know, know who they're playing. Sorry, audience. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason why I haven't <laughs> talked about it. We're
1: them. a little out of sight out of mind. i kind of going through the teams. I'm like, I mean, I don't feel great about, like, Denver. I don't feel great about the Lakers. I don't think the Lakers are beating the Suns. And I don't feel great about the Suns. But yeah, I mean, I think the Jazz are actually gonna are actually gonna come out of the West, if I'm, assuming Donovan's healthy. Well, I'm I mean, very I mean, concerned. Yeah, I feel very confident we'll come out of the first round, regardless of who they're playing. And you know, after I that, feel, I don't feel that way about the Utah Jazz. I think they can they're, lose they're, the, they're the one seed in the Western Conference, but I, I don't think they'd be able to beat the Nets in a seven-game series. So, yeah, I think I think the Nets are gonna win the championship over the Utah Jazz. Um, that was weird. It went
0: from the. Clippers winning it all, and Paul George excising his demons to being called Pandemic P again. So I mean, that's a, <laughs> quite a jump there. I'm gonna say we'll see the Nets versus the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals. I'm gonna say the oh, Nets. Wow. I'm saying the Nets win in six. Once the is. Suns if the Suns can get past the Lakers, I don't think I think they think they could beat anybody like that. To me, for me, I think what the only thing that stops me from like The only thing that would stop the the Suns to me is them just not being ready for what playoff basketball is about. Because the talent, I think they're the most talented team in the Western Conference. In my opinion. I think when team, not superstar, who is the best star, I'm talking about team. The guys, the team playing seven, well, eight or nine guys, ten guys in a rotation. Yeah, I think the Suns, they have... Less guys who I say that guy's a duck in the playoffs. It's just, I haven't seen them play. That's the problem. But like, Paul, Booker, Bridges, Jay Crowder has been a big time player. Aiden is a great center or very good center. Cam Johnson, very high on him. Sars has been a little hurt, but he's a good player. Um, the only thing, though, to me, the, the only thing about the Suns that scares me is just their their backcourt their, on, yeah. on the bench. Like is you know, Javon Carter's a great defender and he's turned into a really good shooter too. Um, campaigns had a great season, but you know, what are those guys in the playoffs? I had no idea. So once you get maybe past like eight guys, you say, okay, what about your ninth or tenth guy? But if I'm worried about nine or ten. Like I feel like you're in pretty good shape. A lot of these yeah, other teams are worried pl- about five and six. Yeah, a lot of these other guys, teams that we're talking about winning a championship, like I'm worried about guys that are like starting, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and and also like we, I've watched the Suns dominate all season. So I, I don't, I'm not one of these guys that's like pretending like I didn't see what I saw during the regular season. That's because that because that they're that's the Phoenix Suns. They've been terrible. I'm not going to just say, oh, well, them being 30 games above 500, that was a mirage. They're clearly a very talented team. So I'm not. I, I think that that. Again, you no. Know, Dallas has guys that I'm not sure about. The Lakers have guys in terms of health that's concerning. Um, Utah, I mean, I, I again, I think that the 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 Suns top to bottom, you can make the case of the most talented team. So I, I, I think they're getting walked by the Nets, though. I don't think they have any chance to beat them, but they'll probably lose in like five. But that would be my finals. What what I mean? What do you what what concerns you about the Jazz? Because again, they're the, they're the they're the one seed, um, and Donovan I Mitchell. Mitchell. It's, it's, it's it's Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I I I it's I don't can you think of a team time where a team didn't have their undisputed best, definitely best offensive player? I would say I think he's undisputed their best player, but maybe yes, someone, so, someone may make for a Go Bear. I'm not making that. To me, their undisputed best player who didn't play for a month, and then just showed up in Game 1. Like I've never seen that team win a championship, or even get to the finals. And I've been watching basketball for 20, I'd say consistently, like 23, 24 years at this point. That's a lot of NBA teams, a lot of NBA championship contenders. I've never seen a team, their star player, missed the last month of the season, and he just showed up in Game 1 and everything was fine. That just... I hope to God it is because I I don't want the jazz season to feel like it ends on something like that, or that him not being you know one hundred percent or not being in rhythm. But it's like it's just like I feel like it's one of the first things you learn watching this game is like playoff intensity is super different. You can't just drop a guy in who hasn't played in a while and just think it's going to be fine. It's not the same. But it's like thinking about what Jameer you know Sami Gunn tried to just put Jameer Nelson out there having I mean, not played in three months and told him you're starting in the NBA Finals. Even though the guy was an all-star, had a great season. It was ridiculous because yeah. like, there's no way this guy, you could just drop him in. And and he was the third or fourth option on the Magic. We're talking about the best player there, on the I Jazz. Think,
1: I think Jazz will be able to get by the first round without uh, Mitchell at
0: 100%. Man, if Steph Curry's out there, they're going to have a lot of problems if Mitchell Mitchell's not 100%. I'm telling you right now. Like, yeah. I can't say that.
1: I can't say... I think, I mean, and I mean, it's, it's going to sound
0: crazy to a lot of people. But I think Jordan Clarkson is going to be able to pick up a lot of that slack. I mean, he has already. I mean, no, Clarkson has played great. I don't want. I, 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 I agree. He's had a great season. I think he's going to play great in the playoffs. But when you bring in Donovan Mitchell, it's not. You just he's not okay. I'm coming in. I'm going to feel my way through the playoffs and let other guys get off. And kind, of, he's Donovan Mitchell. He's their guy. So once he gets into the lineup, they're expecting him to be. Number one option, 20 to 25 shots a game. That's what the expectation is. But if and you don't got what, it, you don't got and, it. But that's how he plays, though. Like, my thing is, even if the, even if you don't got it, he's going to try. He's not one of them guys that's like, oh, I'm going to be passive. Like, he's not useful if he's passive like that. So, like, maybe a different kind of player, I'd feel a little bit better about it. If, if the Jazz were fully healthy, Mitchell played this last month, I would feel differently. I think considering he hasn't played in a month, he's coming on an ankle thing. I know he, LeBron's 35, but I mean, I've seen LeBron really struggle with the same injury. Really struggle. And Mitchell hasn't even tried to get out there. Now, he does not had to because they've been so far in the standings, but I mean, to me, the fact that he, he didn't even to try to play and they're, and they're like, like, oh, he's going to be fine for the issue. playoffs, I don't, I, I don't feel good about that. I think something is way worse than we think. When you can get
1: Scoring from, you can get scoring from Bogdanovich, Conley. Like I, just, I almost feel like the Mitchell injury helped them to a degree, because now, like, now you feel now you have like an extra guy. Like Clarkson was already irrationally confident, but now Clarkson thinks that he can he can do what Jamal Murray did last year, or he do he thinks he can do what Thomas Mitchell did last year. Like he can be he can go toe to toe with one of those guys, and now you. you Add in Donovan Mitchell, you already have Bogdanovich, who's irrationally confident. Like, I don't think they... And then Mike Conley, who, in a pinch, could give you 25 points. Like, I don't think they're going to be... I don't think they're going to be concerned. Now, when you get deeper into the playoffs, you're going to need Mitchell to be Donovan Mitchell to, to get to the NBA Finals, no doubt. But the first round, I mean, again, we don't know if it's going to be the Warriors or the Grizzlies, but I think either one. I think you're talking about a situation where... um, they're just going to be too. They're, 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 the Jazz are just going to be too tough for that team to consistently
0: um, to consistently beat. I, I mean, hit. it's a
1: one eight matchup. It's hard I mean, to I'm
0: need. not saying I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to lose in the first round, but I'm talking about getting to the finals. I'm, I'm talk, again, I've never seen a guy team lose their star player, just plop them into game one after not playing for a month, and everything be fine. There's no there's, there's no, there's no example of that. Like that. For a month, no. I don't know. That it's never been like that. It's not been, I again, I keep saying it, so my, the audience is probably getting annoyed. But playing, missing that much time, not getting any reps on the court. He hasn't played since April six, April sixteenth was when he went down, and he just had a month off. And, and the idea that we've seen other guys come back, at least give them, get their conditioning in, get some reps in. They didn't even put him on the floor. And they're saying, well, we think he'll be okay for game one. What? I, that's not a good sign. I, I, The fact that they didn't even try to give it a go. He didn't have to play 30 minutes one of these games. He could have played 15 and then called it a night. He didn't even try? I, I, that, to me, tells me his ankle is in worse shape than we think. And their thing is just we'll just we'll only play them when we have to, and they feel like in the playoffs you'll have to. It's, it's now the games are the games really matter. But if that's the that's the environment we're dropping them into. I don't feel good about that. Donovan Mitchell is a great player, and when he's healthy, the Jazz are uh, as we've seen a dominant team. But I don't think he's healthy, and I haven't seen him in a month, so I'm not picking them until I see otherwise. I mean that's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair assessment. You know, I think that that that's to me the only way I I could look at it. Real quickly, um, MVP, Jokic, Curry, and Embiid are the finalists. Uh, do we agree on him, uh, Embiid? Excuse me, uh, Jokic being the I'm guy here. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I I have Jokic. I think he will win. I think he should win. I'm assuming we both agree on that. Yeah, 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 Jokic. There was
1: there was I think real debate, real logical debate to a month I would say about a month and a half ago about whether or not Jokic uh, is the MVP. I mean he he was probably the leader in the clubhouse, but there was reason to believe that other guys, you know, could catch him and Murray gets hurt and there was real concern about all right, if Nuggets falter, like I don't think Jokic is gonna win this and they
0: they haven't fought they really didn't falter at all. Yeah, in a weird way Jokic... Murray's injury actually like solidified Jokic's MVP. Yes. It, yeah, it improved his candidacy. So I don't think that there's much I
1: can't I don't think there can be much debate. Um Curry made it interesting for himself. He wasn't in the conversation <laughs> at the time, and now he yeah. is. Um but but yeah, yeah, I think uh to be like I think they've got three guys who've probably been the three best players in the league this year. Um Yeah. You know, so I, I I mean, the Nets have, you know, Durant, Kyrie, like, those guys. The guy Harden, like, those guys have missed a ton of games, you know. <laughs> but there's guys who have played a lot of games
0: um, and aren't on, like, completely stacked teams. Then, yes. Uh, defensive, so, yeah, pl- yeah. Yeah. defensive play of the year. Gobert, Simmons, and Green are the finalists. Uh, defensive play of the year is, like, the biggest, like, just
1: eye of the beauties is in the eye of the beholder. I agree with that, too. I mean, you know, yes, there are metrics to, to suggest certain guys may be better than others, but a lot of it's subjective. I agree. Know, the defensive value. Um, Especially when you're comparing a guy like Simmons, who's
0: mostly a perimeter mostly guy, perimeter.
1: which we call as a rim protector. Go there.
0: And then, like, Green is just, like, a joker kind of player, like, defensively. Yeah. It's a very weird mix. Um, I think... Well, he's up, the best defender of all time. Um <laughs> so. uh, I think I think that Gobert will get it again but I would probably vote for Simmons. I I lean Gobert.
1: Um I see why people are 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 high on the on, on the on the Simmons train. Um Gobert's rebounding numbers aren't they you know I think they're a little they're probably a little bit overrated but he I just, I still think about the way he changes the game, um, and his defensive impact um, at the rim is is, is so high. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Gobert and the way the Jazz play defense um,
0: when he's out there. Rookie of the Year, Lamelo Ball, Halliburton, and uh, Anthony Edwards are the uh, the finalists. Um, this is kind of a weird, this is a weird year for the rookies, given how everything went down. I think I would still vote for the Miller ball, I'll be honest. Well, rookie year, I, I think, Anthony, I think Anthony Edwards will win the war, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's tough. I think, I, I actually think
1: the opposite. I, I mean, yeah. I, I think Anthony Edwards should win it. Um, if the names were reversed, I think Lamelo Ball, I think I think Anthony Edwards would win it. Like if if he was the guy that missed the time, um, and Ball came up late, but but yeah, no, I think I think Edwards um is the he's not I don't know if he's a better player, but I think given given the way he played, like if had Edwards played the way he played all year. Like at the beginning there, when Mel, when Lamelo Ball got hurt, Anthony Edwards, his game rose, because I think he saw a window of opportunity where he could win Rookie of the Year. His game rose, his, um, his team played better. So I think to me, it's similar to the Yogi thing, where it's like if there was any debate, I think he probably should have closed it. But, um, and Ball came back and like you know, I mean, his team wasn't, they weren't the same. You know, they kinda of faded a little bit at the end. Yeah, I mean he played well but his team didn't play well. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it wasn't it's not all of his fault. Gordon Hayward was not there for a lot of you know, the end of the season. But um, you know, they were in a playoff race and if we were using the argument of well, you know, his team's it's team's better, like yeah, I mean his team's better, but and and overall I like, guess they're much better in Minnesota. Um but they didn't obviously they didn't play well at the end of the season. So that doesn't that doesn't help his candidacy. But um of course I am hoping Anthony Edwards wins rookie of the year because I said before the draft he he was he was the best guy. And he may not be the best guy. It's probably you know, al all, but for my
0: own for my own stack keeping I'm hoping Anthony Edwards wins it. Um for most improved player, the finalists are Julius Randle, Jeremy Grant, and Michael Porter. I feel like there was a time in this year where I think it was a question mark, and it seems like Julius just ran away with it. Primarily because I think nobody thought that he could play this well for the entire season. But that's essentially what he did. In some ways, he got better as the season went on. Uh, just a remarkable year. And both guys, the guys had great seasons, and they've certainly improved a lot. But I don't think this is close. Yeah. You know, I think I think Randall's going to win it.
1: Um, and deservedly so. He, he, he's He's... He's taken a leap that is very rare for a player at this stage of his career. Um, the last time we saw something similar was Victor Oladipo, and he won it. So, right. um, you know, there's no reason to believe Randall won't. Uh, Jeremy Grant and Christian Wood had the early lead. Christian Wood got hurt. And Jeremy Grant, just his team is just so, so, so putrid that it was hard to compete with Randall. Yeah. Although Randall, is, you know, is is he better? Yes. He's a better player than Grant, but like he was a better. He's always been a better player. Jeremy Grant. Um, Jeremy Grant may have had a more surprising leap than even Randall did, but, um,
0: doesn't, doesn't negate the fact he won't win the award. Yeah. So it's like a tree falls in a, in a forest. Did anybody hear it? <laughs> you know, with Grant's season, it's great player. Did it happen? Yeah. If one yeah. hears it, did it happen? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and lastly, uh, Coach of the Year. We've fought on this a lot. I really feel like Tom Thibodeau should be the Coach of the Year. I, I, I feel like as the season's gone on, that has become more clear to me. Um, I feel like Quinn Snyder keeping it together while Mitchell was out certainly is does make a strong case for me. But the Knicks securing the fourth place finish in the Eastern Conference after being picked by many people to finish dead last in the East. And not you know, and then to, to be you know, ten games above 500, 41 wins. I mean, uh, shortened season. That's more wins than they've had in like seven or eight years. I feel like Tibbs is, is is the guy for me. But these are to me, these are three Coach of the Year worthy guys. I don't. I mean, I think you can't go wrong per se. But I I feel like Tibbs uh, deserves this award.
1: Um, yeah. To me, it's got to be Monty Williams. Um. Given, I, I mean, look, I know the Suns played as well as they did in the bubble. But other than that, this was um, this was the Suns team that, based off where they were last year, prior to the bubble. Like, no reason to expect this team, they, besides getting Chris Paul, they didn't make any massive moves. They, they, I mean, you move Chris Paul, you move Ricky Rubio for Chris Paul. Like, that doesn't automatically suggest, oh, now they should be the best team in the Western Conference. The second best team in the Western Conference. Um, but, I mean, he's done an excellent coaching job. Um, I think the West is harder than the East. You know, no disrespect. <laughs> but, um... and look, there's been injuries all over the place on both in both conferences. So it's like, I mean, look, you know, we'll see if the Suns are better than the Lakers legitimately. But, like, of course, like, the Lakers have dealt with their injuries and um, Denver and Dallas. And um, so some of that may have to do with why the Suns are as high as they are. But I don't know. We'll see how, how these teams perform in the, in the playoffs. Um, and in the east side, like, of course, you know, Miami and, and Boston have dealt with things that um, have certainly um, helped the Knicks. But still, you know, it's going to be – it, it – it, it, both guys, whenever whenever you're you're in the top three for Coach of the Year, you're you're on, you almost certainly did an excellent job. <laughs> there's yeah, there's no, yeah, there's really there's really no knocking any of these guys. I to me, Quinn Snyder, I wouldn't put him on, on that level just because what he did isn't surprising for this team. Like they they've they've been a they've been a great team. This is like you know yeah, I mean you can see the Coach of the Year if you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> for yeah. what the Jazz have been able to do, I mean, I think his coaching job that he did when they lost Gordon Hayward has been was more impressive than this one. Mm. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, Quinn Snyder, you know, I mean, look, Nate McMillan was an interim guy; he he really deserves a look. Yeah, yeah, I well, agree. I think he definitely could have been a finalist. You know, and, and that would have been a very rare occasion. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot a lot of great coaches around the league. I, I mean, I always say. There's there's about seven or so coaches that are legitimately elite that that make that really make the difference for your team in an NBA season. There's probably about four or five that probably make the difference in a negative late in a negative way uh, on some level. Maybe closer to three or four, but um, and the rest are kind of kind of just guys, kind of ordinary. It doesn't make it doesn't make a difference. They all three of those guys might be a part of that seven that are certainly game changers. I think Monte Williams and Thibodeau for sure.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the new generation sports talk podcast, man. those the extended edition. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to this one. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on the new generation podcast network. It's Apple podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Also be sure to check us out on YouTube and generation media. We're about to rev up some major NBA draft coverage. So, um, of course, we'll be talking playing playoffs in this podcast. If you want to catch that draft stuff, make sure you get on to that YouTube channel. Once again, give us a subscription. New Generation Media. Uh, follow us on uh, social media. Facebook, we're on New Generation Media. We're on Twitter, uh, New Generation Pod. And on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. Instagram, Action EJ. Ken can will be found on Twitter, at NewGenKen. Thank you guys so much again for checking us out. Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys.